to Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are on the eve of puck drop again for exhibition games for the National Hockey League and coming off of another weird weekend in the world of sports. Since the last time we talked to you, the Blue Jays broke my heart twice. John Chica broke the Arizona Coyotes' heart once. Lou Williams can't avoid strip clubs and the Miami Marlins can't avoid COVID, but the NHL can. It's been quite the last 72 hours or so in the world of sports, and we are here to help you break it all down for the next three hours before the Blue Jays play the Washington Nationals, assuming Major League Baseball doesn't just burn to the ground. Welcome to Pinder and Steinberg, uh, the three-hour edition. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you. Pat Steinberg is currently in one of the last places any human being would ever want to be, and that's on a conference call with Kirsch. So uh, he will join us once that call is done, and he's taken the appropriate time for the emotional healing. Uh, but Logo, you are conference call with Kirsch Free right now. How are you today, sir? I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Had um, I had a fun weekend. Was at a socially distant uh, anniversary barbecue for my sister-in-law. And apparently, uh, once Peter Klein gets a couple drinks in him, Peter Klein cares not for sunscreen. So I am burnt today. Hmm. It's uh, It was a little sore putting a shirt on. And I, I've discussed before, we just moved into this place. One of the things we haven't quite figured out yet is how to adjust the shower head, which is currently set to kill. So I, uh, showering today, had a water machine gun blasting at me and I almost cried because it hurt so bad. So that's that's where I'm at today. Well, I mean, the one positive about being, uh, you know, doing radio from home is technically you could just not wear a shirt. That's true. And, and save yourself I'm, some of that pain. Right. That that is very true. I'm I'm rocking the the Chris Bosch jersey right now. The old faded Toronto Raptors Chris mm. Bosch jersey. Uh, it's the old red one, so my arms fit with it very nicely. In fact, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, hurting for certain today, but still, uh, again, playing hurt, grinding through. To, what do you to do bring for you a all. burn? I'm curious. Are you an aloe vera guy? Is there yes another solution I, I have, that you use? I have been. Um, aloe vera ing if that's a word probably more than one should but that that is that that's the way to go the nice calm cooling relief that probably doesn't do a whole lot but it makes me feel better for a couple of minutes yeah i discovered a few years ago so i can't even i don't know the product name or something but it's like a a milk solution cream or something for afterburns works a lot hmm. better than aloe vera and as someone with very pale skin i too uh burn quite easily so that's been my solution, and ice packs are always good, but uh, I was curious to see. The aloe vera is always a good move. Yeah, um, and now because of what you just said, I'm just going to keep pouring milk substances on me until I yeah, figure out what... Yeah, that's not exactly... Like, it's, yeah. it's a real thing. I'm not just pouring 2% on my on my arms until they <laughs> feel better. The, let's try the soy today. Yeah, oh, still didn't work. Uh, yeah, I, I deserve <laughs> that. <laughs> but no, I look... You have led to someone Googling that and finding it out, and you have just made someone's life better. I just bitched about my problems for a couple of minutes. You saw a problem and suggested a solution. I should not be making fun of you. It is I who should be made fun of. Uh, someone on the text line saying they're surprised I didn't get a concussion. I might have uh, from the, uh, the the sun's burning rays. Um, yeah, that's a uh, rough go. But uh, here we are playing hurt. And I I got to be honest, man. Um, cause we, we got this saving that we got Pike coming up in, oh geez, like 10 minutes. And then after that, it's Steinberg the rest of the way. And he very meticulously lays all his shows out. I just kind of, ah, we'll see where we go. 
And I have no idea which one to lead with because there are several stories that happened over the weekend that could be lead worthy. I was very prepared coming in for yelling about the Blue Jays bullpen, laughing at the Arizona GM situation, and a little what the hell to Lou Williams. Mm -hmm. But now we got a COVID outbreak in baseball, no COVID in the National Hockey League, and they're in a bubble, everything's fine again, except for in Arizona, where it's the the most bitter of all breakups. It's been a, a weird, weird last, I mean, really, five months in professional sports, but these last 48 hours, really, really weird. Yeah, if you thought you were just excited about hockey coming back, then it's like, I don't know, story five right now because we're not actually on a game day yet. Like, I'm sure tomorrow it'll dominate, and I'm sure most of our conversation today will be about that. But you're right. There's about 15 different ways that you can go about today's news. And, I mean, you could talk about, you know, the Marlins and their outbreak, how stupid it was that they played, how stupid Lou Williams is, all this sort of stuff. There's a lot of weird, like, just different stories that – that came up. It's felt like a normal sporting 48 hours, which is kind of strange to say. Yeah. yeah it's, it's back to normal. Got my heart broken by the blue Jays and people in sports are doing stupid stuff. It's like nature truly does truly does. Yeah. Heal. The, the uh, Tampa just... Bay Rays always being a pain in the ass oh. to the Toronto blue Jays is so classic sports. It took three days yep. for me to get my heart broken by sports Typical. to remember that feeling of just having your heart ripped out by a thing that, like, grand scheme of things, not the most important. But, hey, sports are back. This is the distraction we need. Finally, oh, for the love of God, can someone throw a strike? That's what that's where we got back to. And the, the Blue Jays completely collapsed. Uh, but I, I do want to start this by talking about the Miami Marlins. And I don't want to go super negative on this because I know I've been doing that the last little bit. And there is a lot of positive. I will say... Using the Miami Marlins situation as a, a reason why all sports can't work is missing the point of what the other sports are doing. That This one is specifically a Major League Baseball problem. And if you look at it from the NFL standpoint, there's a lot of learning that needs to be done, too. But I, I, I just, the more this is going on, the more I don't see a Major League Baseball season happening. The NHL, I, I will be the first to, I believe Scott Rintoul has a segment, Take the L. Uh, at least he did a while ago. Um, I'll be the first to, to take the L. I was saying, look, I get like the bubble situation, but you can't you, you can't guarantee complete safety with this thing. And the NHL is going in the bubble at zero. So congratulations, NHL, for how well you are handling it. And it's it's in stark contrast to the MLB, who is flying fifteen hundred people around the hotbed of all hotbed countries. And just hoping everything's going to be fine. This isn't going to be enough to shut the baseball season down. It's not even going to be enough to shut down the Miami Marlins for more than a couple days before they fly to Baltimore and continue their series there. But God, this is a bad start for Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't know where you you start with it. Is it the the stark stupidity of the Miami Marlins and just saying, hey, yeah, we know a couple of our guys aren't feeling so great, but we had a team vote. And we decided that we're still cool to play. Or is it the fact that Major League Baseball allows that to be the reason? Like, I, I'm sorry, where in the rule book of all of this stuff did you just say, hey, if you guys aren't feeling well, just hold a team vote about it. Don't talk to your doctors or let the league know or, hey, let the Phillies know about all this stuff and we'll have a conversation about it and go from there. But no, we're just going to take a team vote like we're voting on where we're going for beers after the game. That is the single one of the stupidest things I've ever heard 
that you guys knowingly went into this. Like, it, good thing it was only four, apparently, and we still don't know what the ramifications are for the Phillies and all of this. But, I mean, think about how that looks optically, that you guys knew you had four players in this situation and you just had a team vote and went ahead and played anyways. Like, that just is a slap in the face to this whole process and everything we've gone through. And, and look, as far as I'm concerned, Major League Baseball is just as uh, to blame for this because they let it happen. Yeah, this is like players are going to play, right? Like that's that's something uh, I know sometimes people question the heart and character of certain players, but 99% of those guys, like they're they're doing this because in part they love to do it or they love the money that comes along with it. Either way, players want to play. And there are times, whether it be health and safety, whether it be this situation, which does fall under health and safety, you got to save these guys from themselves. Like that you can't, you can't leave it up to them. If you left it up to them, then every hockey player ever would play only being able to see the color green because they got their head bashed in so much, but they keep on wanting to go out there. At some point, you have to step in and say, hey, look, it's not safe for you guys to do this, so stop it. And that point was certainly Sunday for Major League Baseball, letting the Miami Marlins play. It's absolutely... All, like it, it's disgraceful to, to allow that sort of a thing to happen. And now you are seeing the ramifications of that. You have two games canceled today. Hopefully it doesn't impact any of the other teams. And hopefully it doesn't impact the Marlins more than it does. But now you have a bunch of guys who came in contact with these players. And they're being tested, to be fair. But now they're flying across the country to go to Baltimore to keep going with the, the series and the season. Like it, it's just mind-boggling. And I just don't see how it's going to work. Before... We, we hit the break because we do have to get to Pike here in a matter of moments. I am now like, I was about 99% on board, but you go into the bubbles in the NHL at zero positive tests. I don't know how you can look at that as anything, but a major win for the NHL. Everything along the way has been a major win for the National Hockey League. And I, I think they are really the example of how this whole thing should be done. And again, going in with nothing is a, a major, major step for the NHL. And it just, from baseball, you have an exciting weekend. We're doing extra innings with runners on base and stuff like that. There's things to be excited about. And then this brings you back down to reality. The NHL is allowing you to get excited about things with how they have handled it. I, I cannot congratulate the NHL enough for the precautions they have taken and the steps that they have made to get this thing under wraps and be able to get this season going. This is, it's not often we say this about the NHL, but the NHL has been the shining example, I think so far in all of professional sports. Well, it's weird, even just in contrast to, to baseball here, we knew this was going to be the toughest stretch for the NHL, whereas these, you know, these few weeks of training camp where you're mm -hmm. back in your home city, where you play and, you know, you're in training camp for the next few weeks, but they weren't in a bubble situation. They weren't, you know, they weren't quarantined or anything like that. They were, you know, I think most guys were probably told, hey, let's keep the, you know, going out stuff to a very minimum while we're here. But there wasn't anything stopping them like there is at the bubble. There's not fences and your teammates everywhere and, and all this sort of stuff. I think it, this was easily the most vulnerable spot that the NHL put themselves in the last few weeks. And it shows how seriously every team and every player took it, that they're at a zero number for it, which just means everyone took it seriously, did their best, and clearly came out with a good result. Whereas, you know, in baseball, their kind of their whole season is sort of, 
you know, loose and, you know, traveling and doing all this sort of stuff. And the first, you know, test really of how things should be going, they just failed it massively. So you're right, going into the bubble for, you know, the NHL with zero is fantastic. I mean, there shouldn't be any excuses for extra cases coming out now because we're starting off so good. But uh, it's interesting to see how two leagues are just going in opposite directions. Yeah, and just one last one before we hit the break. You you look at the MLS and the problems they were having. They basically just kicked a flaming dumpster into uh, Orlando. It's like, here, take it. Hope for the best. And a couple rounds of tests later, zero positive tests. The bubble can actually work. And you're seeing it in the NBA, unless, you know, players go to strip clubs in Atlanta. Um, God, I want to talk seeing- about that later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little upset we're out of town to talk about that one. Although, Lou Williams, you dumb. But whatever, man. Uh, but no, like you, we are seeing the bubble works. And last one, Major League Baseball. This was an absolute disaster. And still, it takes networks in the States like three minutes to go, okay, this really sucked. What does it mean for the National Football League? Like that shows you where MLB is right now in the sports landscape. It's that when they have a disaster, it's not how does this affect Major League Baseball? It's how is this going to affect the NFL season that's still three months away? That should tell you uh, and tell Major League Baseball all you need to know about where they are at. It is time for us to take a break. When we come back, we have actual things to preview with Ryan Pike from Flames Nation. Uh, We will discuss the final Flames roster, the game against Edmonton, and the series with the Jets. Coming up next here on Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg right now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Just a bit before 1.30, it is the eve of puck drop again in the National Hockey League as we are getting ready for the exhibition matchup between the Flames and the Oilers tomorrow before the play-in schedule starts again with the Flames and the Jets on August 1st. Very pleased to be joined by our next guest from flamesnation.ca. It is Ryan Pike. Ryan, we are just over 24 hours away from NHL players playing NHL players on other teams in an actual hockey contest. How crazy is that that we're here? I know, and you know, we were t- talking to uh, to some of the players and to the uh, to Coach uh, Jeff Ward a couple weeks back when they announced it. You know, you're you're getting ready for the postseason, and you know, a, a playoff series against the Jets is going to be very, very close and hard fought. And what better way to ease yourself into the emotion of playoff hockey than a battle of Alberta? So. It's it's going to be you know straight out of the frying pan into the proverbial fire I think for the, these guys but you know it's it's it'll be weird but I think it could be a lot of fun because you know uh, I know everyone involved sort of has varying degrees of uh, optimism about the whole endeavor but I think a lot of us thought if they can make it to the bubble I think they'll be okay and they made it to the bubble so I think they might be okay and now now I'm letting myself get excited about it right yeah there's always I've been growing more and more optimistic with the NHL the the whole way. And now to find out that A, basically in the bubble now, and B, zero positive tests. Like there's there's nothing stopping me now from really getting excited about this whole thing. Yeah, and honestly, I think, you know, it's it's been a bit weird. Uh, I I know a lot of the media folks uh, in town have been down to check out, uh, you know, the phase three training camp last few weeks. And, you know, uh, for us, 
we're used to sort of being a little bit, you know, more front and center and up close and personal to the players. So it's a bit of adjustment for us. And, you know, I, I can say very bluntly, I'm not used to doing a temperature check and, you know, writing out uh, if I've had any symptoms over the last few days uh, as I enter, enter the arena, that, that was a new experience. But I think for a lot of it, I think a lot of it made a lot of sense. And I think, uh, you know, it, they've got, they got to this point. So it's going to be kind of cool. Cause I think, you know, now that now they're there, they're they're in the hotel. They have all the procedures in place, and now you know, I think it's sort of just thinking, okay, how are we? We're, the playoffs begin Saturday. I mean, isn't that crazy to you? Because like, man, August hockey seems like a complete insane thing to me. But on the other hand, hockey's the playoffs are back on Monday or on uh, Saturday. That's crazy to me. It's it's going to be, it's going to take some getting used to. But I think it could be it, it's going to be pretty wild because. You know, it's it's 24 teams that have been, you know, sitting at home trying not to go crazy chasing after their children for the last four months. And now instead of chasing after toddlers, they're chasing after a Stanley Cup. And it's going to be a completely new, weird, bizarre energy, I think, for the next two months. Right. And that's the the weird part of it is like we're we're going to have to it's going to take some getting used to for us. It better not take a whole lot of getting used to for the players, because if it takes more than three games to get used to it your season's over and you don't have to worry about getting used to it anymore. This is obviously it's like nothing we've ever seen before, but from a a purely breaking this whole thing down, I don't even know how to go about analyzing some of these things because it's just, we have no idea how these players are going to handle it. Well, exactly. Like if, you know, if if you and I, like I I feel bad for for the gamblers because, you know, if you and I were trying to to make some odds for, you know, a Calgary Winnipeg series, if it was happening, say in April and they'd been off for two weeks, I could, convince myself, okay, Connor Halibut's really, really good. Probably the best goalie in the league this year. Flames, you don't really know how their goaltending is going to be, so that could be a question mark. Backlund was on fire in the last, you know, last bit of, this, of the season, and, you know, the Jets are dealing with some injuries. Uh, I could, you know, I could, I could probably figure out how to, how to, you know, figure out how to make odds for the series that way. But for every single thing you and I are talking about now, well, that was like four and a half, almost five months ago. I mean, I think what it's, uh, mm-hmm. The Flames' last game was on March 8th. So the last time they played a competitive game was a week shy of five months ago. That is, you know, that, that's so really any any kind of prognosticating we can do will be, let's be honest, a bit of guesswork because so much of this is, you know, chaotic and unprecedented. I mean, you know, we, we saw uh, just in, in Flames' camp, you know, there was, you know, I think I think it's been documented that, you know, Michael Backlund sort of tweaked something, you know, a soft tissue injury uh, during the first couple of on-ice sessions. Derek Ryan went through something like that. Uh, Brad Living uh, on, the, on the morning show this morning disclosed that, uh, you know, Glenn Godden had a high ankle sprain uh, during an on-ice session. So, uh, you know, I think now we're, we're swinging from the, oh, God, please, no positive test side of things and the mysterious disappearances to, Oh goodness gracious! There's going to be a lot of weird soft tissue injuries because you know you can you know you can you can you don't really go full tilt against your own teammates regardless because you know you don't want to you know I don't I don't think you know Rasmus Anderson is going to be looking a guy in the corner wearing the same jersey as his and saying I'm going to just plow this guy through the boards playing against Edmonton he might do that playing against Winnipeg he's <laughs> definitely going to do that but if you're sort of holding back a little bit, you get a little bit of tweaks and a little bit of, you know, twinges here and there. And especially for guys who haven't really been on the ice extensively in the last four months. I think, I think now we're reaching the point where having 31 players around, you know, in your, in your, uh, on your roster helps because 
you know, you have a little bit of insurance for, for tweaks and twinges. And, you know, in that context, I think the, the fact that the Flames went with a, a fairly, you know, veteran-laden roster makes a lot of sense because, you know, it, it, there's a very real possibility that somebody could tweak a groin during pregame warm-up because it's the hardest they've skated in four months. And all of a sudden you need to throw in somebody who hasn't really been uh, in the rotation for a while. Well, and another aspect of this that I, I'm going to be very interested in, these two teams play a back-to-back. We never see that in the playoffs, and I get there's no travel, but you're still playing the most intense hockey you've played all season long, and the fourth game you've played in the last five months coming right off like 28 hours removed from the next one. I, I think that teams might be dipping into the, those extra skaters a little bit more, especially from a Flames-Jets perspective, because they're going to have to do the double dip. Yeah, and you know, just looking at uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing some uh, some helping out at Jets Nation uh, this week, uh, actually probably for the next couple weeks uh, during the series, and just looking at the rosters. I mean, Winnipeg, you know, they got absolutely deluged by injuries this season. You know, they they had to go with a lot of weird looks this season just out of necessity, and I think it's going to be kind of interesting because. You know, the Flames had a bunch of injuries here and there, and they had, you know, especially on the blue line, they had to rotate. You know, I think every every single person on the Flames uh, roster right now outside of Yusuf Alamaki is a player who played NHL games and meaningful NHL minutes, even Alexander Yellison. And if you look at the Jets roster, they got 31 guys, and I think probably, you know, you're looking at at least close to 28 or 29 guys who played significant minutes for the Jets this year. So if you're Paul Maurice and if you're, you know, Jeff Ward, I think these are two groups that – you know, the coaching staffs on both sides of the ice have a lot of confidence, a lot of comfort with the guys they have. So uh, we talked about the matchup game, but like you said, in a back-to-back situation where, you know, August 3rd, these guys are going to be crashing and bashing into each other for 60 minutes. And then I don't think any team is going to come out on skates. It's going to be so interesting game to game seeing the, the adjustments they make to their lineups because these guys, they have such a deep bench on both sides and they have a lot of comfort with the guys that are going to be pulling out. So it's not like, you know, somebody's going to go, you know, you know even, even if you look at Calgary's history, 2004, the Flames had to go and dip into Brennan Evans in the, in the you know, conference final because they had no human bodies under contract who could play NHL minutes. So Brennan Evans got his only NHL games in his entire pro career in the playoffs because they had no other options. That ain't happening this time. I think both Calgary and Winnipeg have, say, enough enough defensemen that they could just pick names out of a hat if they had to, and they're going to come. They're going to come out with somebody they're fairly comfortable with. Chatting with Ryan Pike from Flames Nation and uh, a bit of a trader with Jets Nation as well uh, here on uh, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, the the final roster does come out for the Flames, and once you find out that Glenn Godden has the high ankle sprain, th- that's not really a, a surprise. But anything catch your eye from the the final roster for the Flames heading into the bubble? Not really. I think I think uh, you know looking at some of the names that aren't coming. I mean Connor Mackey. Uh, you know he based on he, based on when he signed uh, the. The way the initial rules are is you can't acquire a player by a free agency trade, whatever, after the trade deadline and have them be eligible to play. So because Connor Mackey was signed by the Flames after the trade deadline, the rules are pretty cut and dry. He He's not eligible to play. But they wanted to get a look at him in the, in the, the preseason or in the, uh, the training camp, and he looked pretty good. So I think they're pretty excited about that. Uh, but if you look at the other guys, I mean, you know, uh, Adam Zichka is barely 21 years old. He just turned 21, first-year pro, youngest guy in camp. Uh, he looked good, but he's also the youngest guy, so he's probably the easiest guy to pick, you know, not take. 
uh, Adam Rizicka, or not Adam Rizicka, uh, Glenn Godden, we already discussed. He's got an injury. Uh, Matthew Phillips was also uh, unavailable to participate for the bulk of the second week. And I think that put him a bit behind the eight ball because if you're not sure of a guy's health status or injury status, you probably don't want to use a roster spot on him. Uh, also, if we're going to play devil's advocate, if you look at some of the guys that the Flames did decide to bring, a lot of these guys have NHL experience, recent NHL experience. Uh, just looking down the list, I mean, just in the last few years, you know, Austin Zarnick played NHL games this year. He played in the top six this year. So if you need to, you know, throw him in at short notice, he won't be too worried. Uh, Byron Fraze probably isn't a name that a lot of Flames fans are overly familiar with, but you know, he's a guy that was a huge, huge part in Stockton this year. He was their captain. He played, you know, a lot of minutes in a lot of different situations. And he's a guy who has NHL experience. Uh, he was previously in the, the Leaf and Montreal organizations. So he's a guy you can throw in at short notice and you're going to get decent minutes. And he's a guy that I think they have a lot of respect for because, you know, be, being a veteran on an AHL team is not, you know, really exciting work. Uh, it's it's tough work. You're going to get the worst minutes. I mean, we talk here about uh, in Calgary about how Michael Backlund takes on so much in terms of defensive responsibilities and leadership responsibilities and might not get the credit he deserves. Byron Fraze is sort of the, the Backlund of uh, the Stockton group in terms of doing the same kind of, you know, the, the little things here and there that might not get the spotlight. And I think it's kind of cool that the Flames were able to reward him by giving him a chance to potentially play in the playoffs. Uh, but beyond that, there, you know, there's not really a lot of big surprises here. Uh, the guys they're not bringing are pretty defensible. The guys they are bringing are guys that I think they feel they can go to war with and uh, you know, not really get bad minutes out of anybody. So it'll be interesting to see how many of the 31 actually get minutes because, like we, like we were just talking about, uh, it's going to be a chaotic, chaotic few weeks here. It feels to me like the last thing left to be decided is who's going to be between the pipes, game one, Flames and Jets. Um, anything else that we might be watching out for aside from just please, oh, please, oh, please don't get hurt when the, the Flames play Edmonton? Any other battles you might be watching for? I'm I'm super curious to see who plays on the fourth line and how they're used because you know, traditionally the fourth line has been, you know, they, they, they need a lot of high ground in terms of zone starts and in terms of line matching. I mean, typically, you know, you play your fourth line against the other team's fourth line. But if you look at how the Flames are operating, you know, Sam Bennett probably will start on the fourth line. And I think the, the big challenge that that's going to be put to him is if you want to prove that you're not a fourth liner, I mean, he spent most of the year on the fourth line. If he wants to prove he's not a fourth liner, He's got to help elevate that fourth line. Uh, if you look at how what happened last year in the Flames playoffs, the best line they had from basically February straight through to the first round through their exit with uh, Colorado was that Mangiapane line with Derek Ryan and Garden Hathaway. Garden Hathaway ends up getting a pretty nice raise from the Washington Capitals as a free agent. Uh, you know, Andre Mangiapane used that opportunity to work his way up the rotation, and now he's in the top six. Derek Ryan used that uh, as an opportunity to work his way up the rotation, and now you know he played on the, the third line uh, this year and was probably the, the anchor of the most consistent line of the year for the second year in a row. So if you're if you're Bennett, you look at how the Flames used their fourth line last year, and you go, okay, that's the expectation. If you can bring, if you can come in and give them that kind of work and that kind of uh, consistency, and you know, be that useful for a team as a fourth liner, they're going to figure out a way to bump you up the rotation. Whether that's moving somebody, whether that's benching somebody, whether that's doing whatever they need to do, because you know it's a short series, and if if guys are going and guys are being effective, they're going to get the extra minutes. So. 
Uh, I think the the fourth line battle is probably the most interesting one to me. Uh, I'd also be kind of curious to see what happens for little things like, you know, the, the flames had a, 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 you know, only about two weeks, less than two weeks, even uh, with the, the new defenseman, Derek Forbort and Eric Gustafson after the, the trade deadline. And the reason they acquired both those guys is the flames best player is a 36 year old defenseman named Mark Giordano. And he's an ageless hockey unicorn. But on the other hand, he's 36. And at some point his body will just say, yo guy, I'm done. So, if they want to continue to get the absolute most they can out of their best player, they got to, you know, do what they can to spread out his minutes a bit. So Forbort was brought in to do some penalty killing. Eric Gustafson was brought in to do some special teams work on the power play. Uh, and they both looked pretty good in, in the small windows we got of them. But I think, you know, it, it, it takes a, a power play to penalty kill weeks and if not months to really gel and to figure out our chemistry. And, I don't think the Flames have months to give these guys, so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of leash the special teams units get, especially with uh, you know Travis Hamnick, who is playing so so much and so so well on the penalty kill. He's not available to them, so uh, it, they lose a little bit of depth there. But it's going to be curious to see what kind of adjustments the coaching staff makes to the special teams, especially given that in a short series and in a, in a matchup that's this close and this uh, tightly packed, special teams are going to make a huge difference, I think, in the series. So. If they can get them right quickly, they might have a good chance of winning. Uh, last one for you. Do you have a lean on, on who would be between the pipes for game one, Flames and Jets? If it were me, I'd probably go with uh, with Cam Talbot, uh, if only because Talbot seems dialed in already. Uh, but it, it might be a coin toss. I mean, uh, David Riddick has shown the ability to be absolutely lights out for a good stretch of the year. And if he's feeling it, then you probably got to go with him. But if you're not sure, I think the, the challenge with the, the goaltending group right, right now is, you know, Cam Talbot's a steady Eddie. Like he's, he isn't a Vesna caliber, but he's never going to be a sieve. He's just a rock solid, good goaltender. That's he's almost an ideal one B. Uh, Riddick has probably higher highs, but lower lows than Talbot. And you just hope you can get him one of, during one of those higher high periods, because if they can get him riding one of those higher highs, then I think he could absolutely steal the series. Oh, it's fun to be talking about this stuff again. Pike, thanks for doing this today. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow and this weekend, and we'll we'll catch up soon. Take care, man. You too. That is uh, Ryan Pike from flamesnation.ca. Joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, the Flames have been chatting with the media. Uh, players are talking now. We heard from the coach earlier. You'll hear from the coach next as uh, we hear what Jeff Ward has to say about day one in the bubble here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Back to Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Hi, it's me. Hi, Klein. Hello. Hi. Hi, Logo. Hello. It's been a busy day. We got an NHL game tomorrow on your radio. It's been a lot of... Uh... This is CFA. Yeah, it is. Uh, we've been doing a lot of... Uh... Gosh darn right it is. We've been doing a lot of planning... I was on like I've been on like seven different conference calls today. I uh, I was supposed to start at one, but we had a Flames call. There was an NHL. I gotta say, we're gonna hear from Jeff Ward in just a second, the head coach of the Flames. But um, Kleiner, they did this NHL broadcasters call today, and mm-hmm. uh, the guy Steve Myers, his name, the guy who has been just hugely instrumental in making this thing happen, and he took everybody on this Zoom call on a tour of the hub in Edmonton. 
It's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Yep. It was it was pretty cool to see that. Like, look, it, it, it feels like you're in, like, the Walking Dead compound, but it was still pretty cool to see, like, all the things they have. Like, there's this one spot, which I thought was the most cool part of all of it. There was this one spot where you had to cross the street. So at the Sutton Place to get to that, that's one secure zone. And then you got to cross a street to get to the second secure zone, which is where the JW is and where Rogers Place is. So there's one street that you got to cross, which allows cars to go through. But then they have this setup where as soon as the light turns red, they have this button they push, these gates slide open, and then all of a sudden it turns into a walkway and they can walk across. So it's just like an extension of the secure zone. I was like, that's actually pretty cool. They actually have thought of all of these things to make sure that there is no way that an NHL player is going to be exiting the secure zone. I thought it was it was very cool and, and to see all that they've got set up. And once you're inside Rogers Place, the different things they've got, they gave you a picture of some of the different players' lounges. It was it was very cool. It was it's it's something that I hope we never see again. I hope this is the only time that we have to be talking about this. But uh, it was pretty cool to see what it all looked like. I'm, the excitement level is peak right now. I cannot wait until tomorrow. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of like obviously not the best circumstances that we're dealing with on planet Earth right now. But it seems like it'd be kind of fun almost like it's just like a like your high school team is on a trip for a weekend somewhere like and now that trip might last three months for some of these guys but it, it just kind of has that sort of feel at least initially like there's there's an excitement to it players are discovering new areas we're playing mario kart with milan lucic apparently like it it seems like I it's uh it, it seems like it's a fun time i just finished on the call with mark giordano matthew kachuk and milan lucic and milan's bringing uh, his uh, nintendo wii with him um, so he's a big Mario Kart guy. We found out Matthew Kachuk with another bonkers good quote. Yeah, here's a play. We're gonna play some of Kachuk in the next segment, so I won't spoil it. But another outstanding Matthew Kachuk, like let's effing do this. We're here. Let's go. Quote. Um, so we'll hear that a little bit later on as well. Right now, let's hear from head coach Jeff Ward. Uh, this is from about 20 minutes ago. Head coach of the Calgary Flames in conversation with the media for the first time at the NHL Secure Zone in Edmonton. Just uh, tell me when I can, Logo. Decision that everyone who knows Travis can certainly respect, but what does it mean, I guess, for your team uh, and the loss of not having Travis here? Yeah, well, uh, Mike, he's a big part of our team. Uh, he's a big part of our dressing room, so it's a loss. But, uh, you know, we support his decision 100%. Um, he's, a, he's a real good family man. You know, he knows what the risks were, and when he weighed it with uh, his wife, he just decided to go the way that he did. So, you know, we fully support him 100%, but uh, as I said, uh, we're going to miss him, obviously. And now, uh, you know, some other guys in our lineup have the opportunity to step in and and play uh, more of a role than maybe they would have if Travis would have been with us. I'm just wondering what what is on the to-do list for the exhibition? What what do you need to accomplish as a team tomorrow against the Oilers? Well, we obviously uh, we've talked about it before. We want to see uh, work. You know, we want to see a high work level by our guys. Uh, we want to see attention to detail, um, and we we want to see some execution. So, 
you know, if we get to those uh, three things tomorrow and check all those boxes, then uh, we feel like the exhibition game will be uh, successful for us. Hey, Jeff, uh, just uh, hey, have you – good to see you. Um, have you have you come to a final decision on how you're using your goaltenders tomorrow? Who's starting? Are you splitting that type of stuff? Yeah, we will uh, – you know, it's not final yet, but my thought going into uh, practice today um, – is that both goaltenders will see action tomorrow. Um, but, I mean, lots of things can happen between now and the end of practice, too. So that's sort of our, our loose plans right now. Uh, but we'll see at the end of the day. And then uh, tonight, you know, after practice is over, we'll make the final call and, and uh, make a decision on a starter as well. Hey, Coach. I wanted to ask you just about the team message that you have out in the hallway. Uh, just about uh, creating that team bonding, making sure that everybody's accountable and making sure that everybody comes up. And then on top of that, just the, the family pictures and the message brought in by Tree, just to talk about how you're creating a family atmosphere. And perhaps this is going to help elevate the team, making sure that everybody is you know together and held accountable. Well, for sure. And, I, you know, it's a different time of year, but, you know, the families at uh, playoff time are a big part. You know, they obviously they're making a sacrifice. It's a time of year when guys have to focus solely on hockey. So knowing that you have the support of your family when you're doing that makes a big difference. Um, you know, when I was in Boston, we always used to have a big meal uh, before playoffs started. And it was just that, that was the basis of the meal. It was just, you know, we would bring the wives and everybody there and just talk about now it's uh, time for business. And. You know, it, it was it was an important thing for our guys, and I, I think uh, the things that Tree has done uh, in terms of bringing family photos and whatnot in and making the families a part of it, I, it to me, it's the same. It's accomplished the same purposes as having the dinner, and that's really that uh, the families support the guys. The guys know that they can just focus solely on hockey, uh, and it's nice too when you have some you know personal memorabilia at the hotel. It, it makes it a little bit more personal, a little more comfortable for you when you get back to your room at the end of a day. So um, our staff has done a fantastic job with all of those things. Uh, they've, they've done uh, an excellent job in thinking of small details that maybe would have otherwise uh, been left undone. And all of it just, uh, it makes the players feel comfortable. It makes the players feel good about what they're doing here. And, and uh, as I said, it, it makes it easy on the guys now just to focus on hockey. I see. Can you That's discuss what you think, uh, will be the caliber of hockey once we get past the exhibition games. Uh, on one hand, you've got, uh, uh, you know, a four-month break there. We're uh, uh, in a short camp and, uh, you know, the best of five thing, uh, you know, has all sorts of pluses and minuses. But uh, uh, at the same time, you don't have any travel. You don't have, uh, uh, you know, a significantly healthy lineup compared to what you'd have after 82 games and all that. What are you expecting? Are, are we going to see some amazing hockey or is it going to be pretty ragged or? <laughs> you know what? That's a great question. And I think we're all sort of uh, waiting to see how it unfolds. I mean, we don't have the benefit of, of, you know, playing a lot of exhibition games. Number one. Um, I think generally in talking to other guys from other teams uh, since I've gotten here, they've been happy with the way their teams have come in in shape. So I don't think conditioning is going to be a factor or as much as one as maybe we thought it might be uh, before we got here. Um, but then it comes down to trying to go from where you're at through your training camp, you know, going from like zero to 100 miles an hour. So we'll see what it's like in uh, the first 
at least in the playing round anyway. I mean, we see we may see a couple of sloppier games, higher scoring games early until guys get their feet under them, or we may see that guys are really dialed in and you know it's uh, it's business as usual. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing which way it's going to go. Um, you know, I think the exhibition game may give us a little bit of an idea. Uh, and I know as a staff, we're really looking at, you know, what the preparation level of our, of our team is based on our execution and based on our attention to detail, based on, you know, how we're able to carry effort uh, into different areas of the hockey game. So, um, you know, for us, that's going to be a real good litmus test in terms of how we feel we may be to start. But um, I, I think it could go either way. Um, and we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I know, uh, you know, I know there's that's the million dollar question, I think, in all the coaches' minds right now. Exactly what is this going to look like when we come out of the gate? I know that you're uh, I know that you're planning to ice pretty much your full roster tomorrow against Edmonton. Just and, and looking at what the Oilers are probably going to do the same thing. Just a, a thought on on what you want to is, is it is it just about kind of getting those game reps and that feel back and and just preparing yourself as best as you possibly can for game one against Winnipeg? Is that the, the main goal for icing your main roster tomorrow? Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got the opportunity to play an extra forward and an extra D tomorrow night, and I'm sure uh, we're going to take a serious look at that. Uh, we feel we've got some guys that are pushing uh, that could play their way into our lineup uh, for, for game one, so we want to give them an opportunity to to see what they can do in the hockey game. So we may, you know, we, we may dress those extra players to see that. So there's still, there's still an awful lot at stake for some guys right now. Um, and we're going to make sure that we use that exhibition game in order to allow them to show us uh, what they can do. Uh, but the main, you know, that's going to be the other aspect of it. So between those two things, that's what we're sort of looking at uh, going into this exhibition game. Head coach Jeff Ward from earlier today. That was about half an hour ago. The head coach of the Calgary Flames for the first time from Edmonton, where they will practice in about two and a half hours time, 4.30 practice today. Uh, and uh, they, they did the media avail before practice just for logistical reasons. You can understand why. Full disclosure, Klein, um, I asked the last okay. question there. So <laughs> I was not prepared to ask that question. So the, the, the NHL does it on Zoom, and I don't know if you've done a lot of Zoom calls, but there's the hand up feature when you're doing a Zoom web webinar. And apparent, I, I don't think I had my hand up, but apparently I did. Do like, uh, last question, Pat Steinberg. I'm like, uh, I don't have a question ready. So um, I think I did a pretty <laughs> good job of rambling my way through a question I wasn't prepared to ask because uh, I was like, oh, uh, well, I, I guess I better ask a question here. For, for day one, I got to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, you know what? The, the, the audio levels are a little inconsistent, sure. Um, and, and I edited out a couple of, hey, you got to turn your mic on. Oh, I can't hear you. I edited a lot of that stuff out. There wasn't a lot mm. of it. And it worked pretty well for for doing these things like 31 of them a day and to have it all being done virtually and on Zoom. I, I give the Calgary Flames a ton of credit for what they did in training camp with how they did their media. And I give the NHL a ton of credit for day one to have like next to no real hiccups. That's outstanding work. They, I, I, and, and I yep. say I know that you, you might be listening. And I don't care about Zoom calls. Fair enough. But just if you want to hear from your favorite players or the coach. This is the way it's going to happen, and they knocked it out of the park. They did a really good job, and there were next to no technical hiccups, which I was not expecting. Good on the NHL. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do to get that many people and have it all work out. So for it to only need a couple quick cuts is pretty solid work for day one.
in a maybe more than a couple quick cuts, but a few, yeah, there's a few cuts in there, but for the most part, it worked. I was backing well. up your point. Just roll with it. <sighs> let's roll. <together. laughs> let's, let's roll together. Klein. Okay. Uh, that'll do it for the first hour of the program. When we come back, it's opener time. Matthew Kachuk, not screwing around heading into this year's return to play. We'll hear what he said over the weekend and then how he kind of backed it right up today. Matthew Kachuk is dialed in for the return to play. That's how we're kicking off hour two of Pinder and Steinberg. Next, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg, right now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to NHL Return to Play Week. Let's kick it off by hearing from Matthew Kachuk. As a Flames fan, I know that this got a ton of reaction on Friday because I tweeted it out and the tweet blew up. So this is from Friday, following the team's final intra-squad game. I asked Matthew Kachuk, like, just what's the feel? You know, everybody's on an even playing field. And I said, is, is there a feeling more so this year than any other year? Why not us? And I excuse the audio. It's a little choppy. There's a couple of words that get missed. But here's what Matthew Kachuk had to say on Friday. I'm sick of losing. Um, I'm sick of losing in these first rounds. I know a lot of guys uh, want after last year. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's time for us to prove we're going to and I'm very confident in this group, and uh, if we do the right things, um, I hope we have a chance to uh, prove people wrong. Uh, not too many people uh, uh, are saying stuff about us, but uh, we, we know that if we play the uh, the right way, you get this momentum going. It's all momentum and playoffs, so we just got to keep uh, momentum going as long as we can. I loved hearing that on Friday. I thought it was a great quote. I'm sick of losing. I'm sick of losing in these first rounds. We want redemption. And it's time for us to prove that we're an elite team. And now, Kleiner, this was just about 15 minutes ago. Listen to what Kachuk said today. I, I asked him a somewhat similar question. I just said, hey, you know, you, you're now in Edmonton. There's all these distractions, and it's so different. But now that you're in the bubble, is it time to just focus on hockey? He said, yeah, we're getting there, and then said this. We know what we're here for. Um, this is... Uh the past four the past four months I've been waiting for kind of this moment what it was going to be like and now that it's here now we're just getting back to we're here for a reason we didn't come here for a vacation we didn't come here for two weeks we we came here to win so um you know this is this is a definite definitely a business trip and we're treating it like that and I mean we didn't we didn't work hard for the last uh I don't know whatever it is now nine ten months since the start of the year and since the pause four months we didn't work uh that hard to to come here for a quick vacation we're we're trying to come here to win and I think uh like Gio and Luch said earlier guys came in and looked good we had great scrimmages back in Calgary um a lot of time to be uh together after a lot of time being away from each other and we picked up right where we left off and such a great team uh such a great group of guys and we want to win for each other so hopefully we can do that if you're a Flames fan, like how are you not? I know that there are words, and words do not always mean action. But if you're a Flames fan, how can you not be fired up for what you're hearing from Matthew Kachuk? The, the guy's dialed in. The guy is, to me, proving on, on a daily basis right now why he needs to be this team's next captain. But like, if you're a Flames fan, how can you not be fired up by what you just heard from Matthew Kachuk. How can you not be fired up for how he's approaching these things and and at the very least be somewhat encouraged about what you might see when the puck drops? Yeah, I mean, that's he's going to be a big part. If there is a turnaround, Matthew Kachuk, the, the style of play that he has, 
seems to fit very well with playoff hockey. And if he's if he's going to help turn this thing around, then that's a, a huge step. And no one was questioning if he would or not. But no, that's exactly what you want to hear from a guy who is starting to to really take over as one of the the leadership. Uh, yeah, as a leadership role. And this isn't the first time either when things were starting to go a little sideways during the regular season, you would hear Matthew Kachuk come out and he would be one of the ones who would come out and address the media and saying, this has to stop right now. And you would see it in the, the effort he would put out on the ice. So it's not like this is just someone just saying what everyone wants to hear. This is a player who is taking a, a leadership stance in a situation where he knows he's going to have to step up big because if this team doesn't, there's going to be major changes being made, probably. So uh, a big first step for the Flames is coming in with the right mentality, and it seems like they have it. Well, and and I mean, you hope they have it. You hope that that is the message and that is the feel from the entire. Um, you, you hope that's the that's the overall feel of the Flames, and that it's not just Kachuk feeling that way. That you've got an entire group of guys who are feeling like that, who are feeling like okay. You know what? Screw what happened last year, or what? Sixteen months ago, or whatever it was. Um, enough, enough of we can't get this done in the playoffs. Let's flip this script. And and I just like I feel like it would be a whole lot easier for us to just roll our eyes and be like, yeah, that's just lip service. If we were going into this year's playoffs in April after an eighty-two game season and minus a, a four-month, five-month pause, I think that it would have. I, I probably would have been like, okay, yeah, yeah. But this, in this case. Knowing what I saw through training camp, and and I I thought it was a pretty crisp and and high paced training camp, and knowing how everything is on an even playing field and everybody's healthy, injuries don't matter anywhere near the same way, and everybody is dealing with these brand new conditions the exact same way. This this is a golden opportunity for the Calgary Flames to do something. This is a golden opportunity for them to take Matthew Kachuk's words and turn them into action. And I, for whatever reason, and maybe I'm just being naive, maybe I'm I'm just buying into the hype. And and feel free to tell me if that's what I'm doing, if that's what you think I'm doing. But I feel like I I I feel like the Flames truly have an opportunity to do something special here. I would probably feel the same way if I covered any other team, but I don't. I cover this team. I, why not the Flames this year? I, I, I honestly, I honestly ask that question because I don't know if there is an answer you could give me, Klein. If you wanted to play devil's advocate to that question, I don't know if there is an answer you could give me that would deter me a hundred percent. That's not a fanboy. That's just this team has talent. This playing field is as even as it's ever been. So why, why couldn't this be Calgary's year? You know. Well, and that's been the frustrating thing for the last few years is that you look at the the high end, the high end talent this team has, and it's there, and they've done a pretty good job of building up depth throughout the lineup over the last couple of years. So you check that box off. The blue line is at times one of the the deepest in the NHL, and goaltending is average to above average to below average sometimes, which I guess would just make it average. Like talent has never been an issue for the the Calgary Flames. I don't believe at least. Not an issue where they have been. Like, if if you want to say they're not one of the top four teams talent-wise in the NHL, I, I don't have much of a leg to stand on. But they certainly have more talent than back-to-back first-round exits would lead you to believe. So the, the frustrating part from Flames fans is that you can say well, what you have just said the last few years. Because the talent 
has always been there for the Flames. It's just getting it done at that particular time of year. If the mentality is right, that seems to be a big stumbling block for this squad. If that mentality is right, then it's tough to argue with you at this point. And you know what? It's on them to prove anybody like me. It's, it, it, it truly is still. Matthew can Chuck can talk all he wants about, I'm sick of it. We're here to win. We're, we're here on a business trip. Those are awesome words. And, and I think if you're a Flames fan, you should be fired up because of those words. However, they are still just words until there's action. I'm fully yeah. aware of that. I am fully aware well, that this is, like, it's all great, but put your money where your mouth is is still is still the overwhelming message. I just feel like they're better equipped to put their money where their mouth is this year than, than maybe they, they have been in, in this iteration of the Calgary Flames. And to be perfectly frank, it ain't really Matthew Kachuk everyone's worried about, right? Like, everyone sucked in last year's playoffs, save for Mike Smith and some good shifts from Andrew Mangiapane and Sam Bennett. But it's not like, basically everyone was terrible for five games against the Colorado Avalanche. But going into this, the the focus is on 13 and 23. The, the, there isn't a ton of, hey, look, Matthew Kachuk needs to be better or something drastic might happen. People are pretty confident in what Matthew Kachuk is going to do, and this is the mentality that he carries with himself on a day-to-day basis. The, the people that the players that people are worried about are Gaudreau and Monahan, and if they have, and we have seen nothing to lead us believe to believe they don't, if they have that same feeling that Matthew Kachuk has, then things would look up for the Flames. But it's not. What, what happened the last couple of years isn't a Matthew Kachuk problem, and the focus hasn't been on him. It's been on the two superstars you have on your top line. I will say, you know, as a counterpoint to that, I don't think Kachuk has been at his best in the playoffs. I, I think that there is some significant room there for Matthew Kachuk. Oh, to totally. Be, like, but first and third years in the NHL, I, I think that you can, um, you can probably understand that, you know, that maybe there is some, some growing that needs to happen. But I, I think that there is some significant room for Matthew Kachuk to be uh, a more impactful player in this year's playoffs. No doubt about it in my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. but you're right. I mean, like, I I don't think that your, your overall point is wrong. I do think that the, the, the main players that everybody's going to be focused on, uh, where number 13 and number 23, no doubt about it. Yeah. You're as far as the, the flames concern checklist is, is going, it would be Gaudreau and Monaghan. And then yes, Kachuk has room to grow as, like I said, as does everyone, if we're basing it off of what they did against Colorado. But no, like Matthew Kachuk certainly has room to improve, but the focus is going to be on, on 13 and 23. Uh, welcome to the program. Welcome back to the program. We're into hour number two. It's Pinder and Steinberg with Pat Steinberg, Peter Klein, and Logan Gordon on this Monday afternoon. The eve before NHL hockey officially returns. Logo and I in our Sportsnet 960 downtown studios. Kleiner is at Shea Klein. Um, it is like they made it to the bubble, Klein. Like all of this for so long seemed theoretical. 24 teams are in two different cities right now. They they actually made it to the bubble. And and as, as much as I have been hoping and sometimes I feel like I've been willing this into existence, the fact that they're in the bubble, it, it was even tough for me to sometimes envision that happening. They're there. They made it. They're actually in Edmonton, and they're going to play the Oilers in front of zero fans tomorrow night. 
Yeah, it's crazy to think. And I, I remember a, a couple months ago when we were talking, uh, one of the things I was saying, like, there's there's no way to do this perfectly 100% safely. The bubble is the closest you can get. But I, I, I still didn't believe that you could do this without at least some repercussions happening. And now you're going into the bubble with zero positive tests. Like, that is absolutely spectacular from an NHL perspective and they really have been the leading example this whole way and I know this sounds like a, you know Calgary radio host butters up the NHL the NHL cares not for my opinion so I I don't need I, I could come on and rip don't Gary Bettman the same way that well no I, I could rip Gary Bettman or praise him and it's not going to change his day one little bit. But the, the NHL has been absolutely spectacular in this entire process and should be commended for that. And now we're here. They're in the bubbles. Zero positive tests heading into the bubbles. I don't know how you don't get excited about that. Yeah. And and the, the whole way through, you said, well, you know, the phase three is going to be the tough one. They had two positive tests over two weeks of training camp. Like that's that's overwhelmingly positive. And yes, I know there are the conspiracy theorists saying, well, they're fudging the numbers. Sure. If that's what helps you sleep at night, then believe that they're fudging the numbers. I'll, I'll take them at their word. There was only two positive COVID tests in two weeks of training camp. And who knows? I don't know how difficult it's going to be to keep this bubble tight, but they're there. And the fact that they're there has ramped up my confidence level of them being able to finish this thing a whole lot more. So the Flames play the Oilers tomorrow. Um, and you, you heard Jeff Ward in my rambling question at the end last segment. Uh, so they're, they're thinking about putting some players knocking on the door in the lineup tomorrow. But uh, it sounds like it's going to be pretty close to their game one lineup tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers. Here's uh, here's general manager Brad Tree Living with the boys this morning. Uh, it's up at sportsnet.ca slash 960 right now if you want to hear the GM, and he gave his thought on the exhibition game, the rosters, and what tomorrow might look like from a Flames standpoint. Everybody's got one game. You're going to be playing, you know, your roster. Um, you know, this isn't this isn't the preseason where you're going to take a couple of games and put, you know, you're not doing evaluation. You're doing, this is all about preparation. And so the only way you get preparation is you, is, is you see live, you know, you see live bullets. So we're, we're going to be playing what would be a normal roster. Now, the one the one um, change that they've allowed us to do, I don't know if, if it, it was public or not, but we're allowed, all teams are allowed, to dress one extra forward and one extra defenseman for the, for the exhibition game. Um, and really the thought process behind there is getting as many guys in as you can um, to getting them up to speed. Um, and really we, the initial thought was we were going to be playing two exhibition games now that it's one it's just again getting as many bodies in as we can so um you know our, our hope for our plan for tuesday again getting everybody you're just trying to get as many reps um you know the the, the, the outcomes of these things it's like a preseason game isn't the most important thing it's the you now you want to play well but you just you want to get everybody reps you want to get everybody as much as we scrimmaged and you do you know game-like situations in camp it's different when it's a different color jersey across the Way so we're all of our all of our focus is getting ready for September, for August first, and uh, tomorrow's that next step, which we, which we get into an exhibition game, and and uh, you know I'm interested to see how it, how it looks. Brad Drew Living, GM of the Flames, with Boomer and the gang this morning, and I I uh, I don't know exactly what that lineup is going to look like tomorrow. I think we got a pretty good idea, but 
I, you, you want to get your group up to speed. So if that means playing the exact lineup that you're going to play Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets, then so be it. If you're the Flames, like, and and maybe maybe a couple of other guys get a look. You know, they're going to be able to play seven defensemen and thirteen forwards. Jeff Ward told us last segment that they're going to split their goalies most likely. You, you're going to do things slightly different than you will Saturday against Winnipeg, but you want to make this as close to what Saturday's going to look like as you can while still trying to make some decisions about your team. I'm, I, I, I think we have a pretty good idea of what the lineup is going to look like. Maybe a couple of tweaks. Maybe a, a fourth line might be different. Maybe uh, there, there might be a third pairing that's a little bit different, but I think we've got a pretty good idea. Yeah, and this is this is not the time for gamesmanship or, or anything like that. This isn't the well, we don't want to tip our hand for what we're thinking. This is this is the first time you guys are playing live games since March. Let's see how we do. Let, let's figure this thing out. I, I I'm with you. I think the lineup's pretty well set. I think there's a decision to make between twelve and thirteen in the forward group. I think six and seven on the blue line is pretty well figured out, and you have the goalie situation that that you need to work out. But aside from that. You know where everyone's playing. You know who they're playing with. It's now just getting them comfortable with those guys in a game situation that isn't against your your regular team. Yeah. So, no, this has to be treated and looked at as just a, another game to get things going instead of, well, we don't want to tip our hand. No, you you need to let everyone get the, the regular reps that For they sure. normally would. Uh, more Flames talk coming your way. This hour, 2.30, we're going to do our daily Calgary Flames roundtable. We're doing it early today because at 4 o'clock, we got the Blue Jays and the Washington Nationals as the Jays start off their second series of the Major League Baseball season. So Jays, Nationals, live for you on your drive home at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Speaking of the majors, Klein, it has, uh, after after what was... I think, by and large, a very successful opening weekend where, for the most part, the focus was just on the baseball. The focus was the Blue Jays' bullpen taking a dump on two nights in a row, and and especially uh, two days in a row, especially yesterday afternoon. Great opportunity to win that series, and they piss it away. And, and that, so, so you were focused on baseball for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then Monday, reality kind of hit us all with uh, a smack to the face. Uh, the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins are in a very difficult spot right now. Uh, nine players plus additional staff have all tested positive. Their game tonight, which was set to be their home opener, has been postponed. They've also, because of uh, secondary, um, secondary contact and for precautionary reasons, they've also postponed the Yankees and the Phillies today as well. Uh, all of a sudden, reality hit Major League Baseball with a bust this morning, and it, it, it's it's not good. I mean, uh, nobody's going to sit here and tell you that this is good. My my big question is, and I don't think we know the answer at this point, is what does this mean? And and here. Here's my pragmatic look at it. I heard you and Logo talking about it kind of out of one ear uh, while I was on the, the media calls earlier today. But my pragmatic look at this, this is not an emotional look. This is not a moral or an ethical look because those are different conversations. But pragmatically, I don't believe Major League Baseball is caught off guard by this. I believe they had numerous contingency plans in place for something like this to happen. They weren't completely in the dark. They've got teams playing in Florida Florida's a Petri dish to steal your term, Clatter. I think there was a realization this might happen. I don't believe that this is going to be enough to cancel a season. Um, 
whether that's right or not, whether you agree with that or not, whether you're ethically or morally opposed or not opposed to that is, is a different conversation entirely. But pragmatically, I think a whole lot more is going to need to go wrong in this regard for Major League Baseball to cancel the season. That is an entirely financially driven decision. Um, yeah. And again, if you, you may not agree with that. And I understand why I don't even agree with that. I, I think that the the whole concept of player safety is first but we're going to continue on with the season after all these positive tests. Like I, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth, but pragmatically I'm not expecting the major league baseball to shut down here anytime soon. I, I feel like a whole lot more is going to happen for that eventuality to be reached. No, if, if they were going to shut down after nine players and five staff members tested positive, they wouldn't have these 60 man rosters and the taxi squads and stuff like that. Like they, they put these things in place for this exact type of a situation. So it's going to take more, as glib as this sounds, it's going to take more than nine players testing positive to shut down the, the Major League Baseball season. And we can talk about the the ethical ramifications around that. But no, it's, it's going to take a lot, lot, lot more than that. It's going to take several teams having the same issue for MLB to, to shut their season down. This kind of shows like traveling doesn't really work and bubbles do, but... Right now, this is what Major League Baseball is going to go with, and it's going to take more than nine guys or 14 on a, a staff overall to shut this baseball season. Do down. we um, do we know what happened in that? Like, and I and I only ask this because I've been doing 700 other things, uh, so I haven't been able to be as dialed in on Twitter and such. Do we know how this happened? Like, do we know like what was there breaking of protocol? Like, has that has that been figured out as of yet? The, the closest thing that, that I've seen to that, I don't know how they got it in the first place, but uh, four players tested positive. The players had a vote on Sunday and decided, yeah, we'll play anyway. And then a bunch more guys got it. From from what I oh, gather, yeah. that's the, the, the gist of the, the situation. But um, as far as how they got it in the first place, I don't know if protocols were broken or, or what happened okay. to, to get it in there in the first place. Okay. But yes, there was a team vote on a group chat and they still played on Sunday. Well, I'm glad they're leaving it to the players to decide. Right. We got to go yeah. to break. But shouldn't there be like an automatic... Oh, uh, this has happened. The league steps in. There's an automatic protocol. Like, you know, when when something happens in the real world, it's like if, if A happens, then B automatically happens. Wasn't that set up? Like, that's that's mind-boggling to think that that wasn't. And maybe it was set up and just not followed. I don't know. But from Ken <laughs> Rosenthal on the Athletic, the Marlins apparently knew four players had received positive tests prior to their game against the Phillies on Sunday. Manager Don Mattingly said the team quote never really considered not playing. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. It's like they even did it. Like it wasn't even an anonymous vote. It was a group chat. So everyone knew where they were voting anyway. So it's like if one guy's really hard up about playing it, he's going to get pissed. Like, like it, that's it's just immediately it's, Major League Baseball should have stepped in and said, no, you're not playing. We're going to postpone yeah. here so that you, you have a much better chance of continuing your season as opposed to. I, I don't like I, I'm just new to this. I've only entered the world in the last month or so, but apparently they say this thing's contagious. This is from from what I've read. I can't confirm, but right. from everything I've read, they say it's contagious. 
like, wouldn't Major League Baseball positive test immediately, hey, you've got a quarantine, we've got a test, you can't play until all these players come back negative. Because it's not like you're standing near anybody in baseball. Like, as a base runner, you have to give six feet, right? Like, first baseman has to give the base runner six feet. That's the, that's the Those are the new rules? No? No? So they, they can still stand right beside each other? I just don't understand how they could allow that to happen. It should have been positive test, postponed. You can come back once enough players come back negative. Quarantine the guys who are positive as opposed to it going from four to nine, and now all of a sudden your season's in jeopardy. Mind-boggling how you could fumble that one as badly as they did. Yeah, it's like, this is this is one of the problems with dicking around for two months and having to delay your season until last weekend. So now you're jamming in 60 games in 66 days, so you feel pressure because, well, if we don't get it in now, when are we going to get it in? On one of their six off days in the next three months? No. So it's just there are so many dominoes and a lot of them come back to how royally they screwed this whole thing up to begin with. In saying all that, would you like to join Ryan Pinder, Ben Wagner and Mike Wilner, the two voices of the Toronto Blue Jays on your radio for a virtual hot stove next month? The Um, last two sound good. uh, Yeah, the last two sound great. Uh, Fingers crossed that everything is still going and the Blue Jays, who are one and two, but they should be two and one, uh, potentially three and oh. Um, Blue Jays playoffs are bust. I'm still on that train. Uh, enter for your chance to win access to this private call for you and a friend, plus a great prize pack from our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. The virtual Blue Jays hot stove is next month. Five winners will be selected in total. You can go online, sportsnet.ca slash 960, or Pinder is going to be doing some contests on the air as well. It's all brought to you by our friends at Wild Rose Brewery, who have been fueling hardworking Albertans since 1996. Find their premium craft beers around Alberta and at their tap room and restaurant located in the Curry Barracks. Around the corner, it is our daily Calgary Flames roundtable. We are jammed up today. we got Elliot Friedman, Nick Shore, the Winnipeg Jets, is going to join us as well. But next up, daily Calgary Flames roundtable. It's Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet. 960 the fan. Pinder and Steinberg. Right now. Back to Pinder and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960 the fan. Daily Calgary Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Once in a lifetime hail means a very special opportunity to purchase a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Choose from 42 options. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport. Early for the roundtable today because we got Blue Jays action at 4 o'clock. Jays Nationals first pitch just after 4 on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's uh, Pat Steinberg, Peter Klein, and Derek Wills joins us now. Radio voice of the Calgary Flames. And boys, before we kick off the roundtable, and and Kleiner, I know you already heard this uh, last segment, but uh, Willsy, I wanted to play this for you first. This is a mashup of two clips from Matthew Kachuk. One from Friday following the final intra-squad game and one from today at the team's first media availability in Edmonton. And just uh, just listen to how dialed in number 19 is. I'm sick of losing. Um, I'm sick of losing in these first rounds. I know a lot of guys uh, won after last year. We know what we're here for. Um, this is uh, the past four The past four months I've been waiting for kind of this moment, what it was going to be like. And now that it's here, now we're just getting back to – we're here for a reason. We didn't come here for a vacation. We didn't come here for two weeks. We we came here to win. So, um, you know, this is this is a definite definitely a business trip. And I know that words are just words, and they don't really matter until action follows them up. 
But just how nice is it to hear that? How key is that attitude for Kachuk? And more importantly, how key is that for the entire team to have that attitude heading into Saturday? Well, he's one of the leaders of the hockey team. So those are the types of things that you want to hear, certainly from your leadership group and from all of your players. But Pat, as you just said, you know, words are one thing, actions are another. And I think you would agree. I think you'd both agree that Matthew Kachuk, when you look at the way he's wired, it looks like the type of player who should thrive come the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I think it's fair to say that he hasn't been at his best in his first two trips to the postseason. So I think there's a lot for him to prove. You know, he's got some experience in the playoffs now. So hopefully he's learned from that. Hopefully he's better for that. But I think it's really a team that uh, has a lot of core players who have failed to step up and elevate their game come the Stanley Cup playoffs. So this is a strange year, as we all know. And I really believe that probably at least half of the 24 teams that will have a chance to compete for the Cup have a legitimate chance to win it, the Flames included. But in order for that to happen, they're going to have to to get more from everybody, including Matthew Kachuk. So great to hear those words, and uh, hopefully we see those actions as well. Yeah, and like we, we've been talking about it for a little bit, and if we're talking about it, I'm sure they're talking about it as well. They understand that the, the last few trips to the playoffs have not gone well for this team, and they're not going to get many more cracks at it if this one doesn't go well. And this is, as Pat and I have discussed, and as we've all discussed, this is a weird time, but it's also a pretty big opportunity for the Calgary Flames. There are a lot of excuses that you can take off the table. I mean, there's a pretty big one, and you haven't played hockey in four months, but Everyone is pretty well 100% healthy. Everyone is coming into this at a level playing field in terms of momentum or meaningful games or anything like that. There are a lot of reasons that we have heard in the past that don't necessarily apply anymore. Now it's just go out and be the better hockey team. It's not momentum. It's not this, that, and the other thing. It's we are on the same footing as those guys. It's now time to go beat them. And th this is a, a great opportunity for the Flames to go out and do that. I... I like to hear that from Kachuk. And the reason why, and Derek, you kind of touched on it right off the top. I I think Matthew Kachuk has has turned into a, a bona fide leader inside that inside that dressing room, despite the fact this is only season number four. Uh, there's a few things. A, he's the highest paid player on the team now. B, he has proven himself to be one of the best players on the team and and has proven himself to be one of the most um, you know one of the more effective most effective wingers in the National Hockey League. So I, I also think that they're whether you're younger than him by age or more tenured than him, I also just think that you know he's no longer just a young guy. I, I think that the way that he goes about his business, the the amount that he cares, uh, the amount that he helps the team on the ice. I, I think now that you've got a guy that, despite the fact he's only in his early 20s and only in his fourth NHL season, has turned into a leader on the team. So when you hear that from a guy like that, I, I do think it makes a difference. And yes, there's no doubt about it. Uh, until actions back up those words, they are just words. And and I'm, I'll be the first one to say that actions have not backed up words uh, more often than not in the postseason. But I because of the circumstances, because of, of what we're hearing, because of what I saw at training camp, I just I'm feeling optimistic and encouraged about this group going into the postseason. And and I really that that attitude that we're hearing from number nineteen, I hope is the attitude of the entire team right now. I mean, this goes for every single team, every single season, but you're not gonna win the Stanley Cup unless your best players are your best players. Period. And one of the things that I guess if you look back at what this team has done, or I guess 
maybe I should say hasn't done in the playoffs with this core group together. I think it's safe to say that in the majority of games, in the majority of seasons, their best players haven't been their best players in the playoffs. So there's room for growth there. You know, if, if their top guys can play like we know they can, like we've seen them do in the regular season for so many years and at times in the playoffs as well, but if they can do that consistently, I think this team has a really high ceiling. And Matthew Kachuk is no doubt a big part of the leadership group. I don't care if he's only four seasons into his NHL career. You know, he's a leader on the ice. He's a leader off the ice. He's got a letter on his jersey. And he's a guy who is always ready, willing, and able to stand in front of us, although we can't do that right now. We only do that via Zoom or on a phone call or whatever he, he in these strange in, he times. sat in front of yeah, us today. Yeah, sat in front of us. But he's always been willing to stand in front of us following a big win or following a tough loss. And, you know, he handles both with uh, professionalism and, and with passion. You know, he, he hates to lose. That's just how he's wired. And I think part of that DNA comes from his dad, Keith, who had an incredible NHL career. And, you know, he is a guy who obviously he burns to win and he hates losing. And the more guys you have who don't like winning, everybody likes winning, but the more guys you have that hate losing, the better your chances are. So great to hear that from Matthew Kachuk and hopefully him and his teammates will back up uh, what he had to say on the ice. Uh, I guess starting tomorrow with the exhibition game against the Oilers, but more importantly on Saturday in game one against the Jets. It's an early edition of our daily Calgary Flames roundtable. He's Derek Wills. He's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. And the Flames take on the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow in that exhibition game before Saturday's game one against the Winnipeg Jets. Now, Friday, I guess Saturday officially, but we, we got word of it Friday. The team finalized their roster for the return to play. 31 players. Anything jump out at you guys from the final roster? Anything that, that caught your eye when looking at the final 31 players they're taking with them to Edmonton? Well, I guess the four goaltenders. I wasn't necessarily expecting four, but I understand why they did it. Obviously, you've got your 1A and your 1B, and I'm not going to number either of the guys, but you've got David Riddick and, and Cam Talbot as your tandem. And then you've got two younger players that you're trying to develop in John Gillies and Artem Zagadou. Doolin, who are hopefully, whether it's short-term or long-term, the future between the pipes for this team. So I think it's a great opportunity for the Flames to get them some experience uh, being around the guys during the Stanley Cup playoffs. And if one of their top two guys goes down, then you've got a choice between those two guys uh, to be your backup goaltender. But other than that, not really, fellas. I mean, uh, I wasn't expecting any of the guys who didn't have NHL experience to, to be on the roster or to get into any games and, unless... Now, things really went south for the Flames during training camp, and knock on wood, they're relatively healthy right now, so that wasn't the case. So, no, not really for me. Nothing uh, except for the four goaltenders jumped out, and I, I understand why they did that. Yeah, it, it, this wasn't going to be uh, a reveal that had much for surprises. Well, we kind of had a pretty good idea of who was going where. The the one that, I guess it jumps out, but Glenn Gaughan with the, the high ankle sprain not being able to to make it is a bit too bad. You, you would like to see him have those types of experiences. It's, um, I, I guess, noteworthy that that vaunted second power play unit from the first few days of training camp, none of them really, uh, aside from Michael Backlund making it. So I guess those practices didn't go that great. But no, th this was this was never going to be uh, a dramatic reveal or, or anything like that. We we pretty well know who's starting aside from between the pipes and maybe the, the 12th forward on this team. But th this was 
this wasn't a training camp where, oh, can someone win a job? This was about getting the regulars back into game shape. Only thing that I would add is that, and I, I, I wasn't surprised by it, but I was just interested to see what they were going to do with one of our, our favorite discussion topics, and that's Yusuf Valamaki. I was just curious to see if he was going to, to make the final roster because he he started camp looking really good. I thought he, not to say he looked bad, but I thought that it, it, it kind of faded as camp went along and, and you could start to tell that, you know, the six guys that they're definitely going to go with, there, there's a little bit of a separation there. And I thought that, you know, it, it became clear that he was on the, the fifth pairing for a good chunk of the last week of camp with um, with Alexander Yellison. It was, it was Shillington and Stone who were playing ahead of him. So I was just curious if they were going to have him on the return to play roster. I'm not surprised that they did because you want to have as many options as you can possibly have and if you need to make a decision if injuries all of a sudden crop up at some point you want to have as many options on the back end as possible but that was the only other thing I was I was looking for was to see how many defensemen they ended up taking they aside from Connor Mackey guys they took all of them Mackey's ineligible to play everybody else went including Alexander Yellison so I I, I had, that was kind of interesting how many D-men they took and what they were going to do with Valamaki but I don't think it necessarily changes their philosophy and whether or not they're going to play Valimaki. I just wanted to see if all the defensemen that they were eligible to take were going to go with them to Edmonton. Turns out the answer to that question was yes. Yeah, and I mean, plenty of times in the past, Brad Treleving has said that uh, in a perfect world, and we're certainly not living in a perfect world right now, but in a perfect world, you have 10 healthy defensemen going into the Stanley Cup playoffs because it really can be a war of attrition, and, and maybe it will be more so this year, or, or maybe it won't be because everybody's healthy going in for the most part. But yeah, they've got uh, 10 guys who I think they'd be fairly comfortable playing. And I do think that with uh, what happened through training camp and with the fact that it's been, you know, what, 15, 16 months since he last played in a hockey game. And then you consider, well, if you play him in one game, now you got to protect him in the expansion draft with Seattle coming into the league. Uh, I doubt that we're going to see Yusuf Valimaki, but I absolutely think that he should be on the roster. If for no other reason, then this is going to be a great experience for him to, to be in the bubble, uh, to be around his teammates during the playoffs, to, to go through the, the highs of winning and, and hopefully to a lesser extent, the, the lows of losing and uh, to practice with NHLers, you know, hopefully past this qualifying round against the Jets and, and in to one, two or three, four Stanley Cup playoff rounds. I just think it's going to be a great experience for a guy who is obviously going to be a big part of this team moving forward uh, an important part of the core and you know a top four maybe even top two defensemen for the Flames so great chance for them to to give him the, the experience of being around the guys during the playoffs and uh I guess you knock on wood and hope you don't need them because if you do, it probably means you've got a bunch of guys hurt. Uh, and just a final thought on our Daily Calgary Flames roundtable. Derek Wills joining uh, Kleiner and I. And, and Kleiner, we've already talked about this. So, Derek, I'll just quickly to you to, to wrap it up. They're in the bubble. They're actually there. They made it, and I they, the league, made it through training camp with two positive tests in two weeks, more than 6,000 tests done. They made it. I'm not I, – I, I, part of me was always – Oh, are they going to get there? What's going to? They're there, and they're dropping the puck tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I thought they would get there. I didn't think they'd get there without more positive tests. I mean, look at baseball; it's an absolute disaster. So, I, I have to give a ton of credit to the league, to its teams, to their players and staff. I mean, everybody has done an incredible job 
staying healthy and helping the people around them stay healthy. And, you know, Brad Treleving, you know, talked about it to going from phase two to phase three. Phase three was going to be the real challenge because all of a sudden you're bringing guys in from different parts of the world and you're not really in a bubble yet. So staying healthy through phase three and getting into phase four when you're in a bubble and it should be easier to stay healthy, that was going to be the real challenge for everybody in the league. And the fact that they got through it, over 800 players were tested, over 4,000 tests were administered, and to have two positive tests, I mean, that is, it's mind-boggling. I'm, I'm actually blown away by it. I, I, I can't believe what a great job everybody has done. And yeah, we're uh, less than 24 hours away from some exhibition games and uh, a little bit more than 24 hours away from uh, exhibition Battle of Alberta between the Flames and the Oilers. And I know I'm starting to get really excited about it. Uh, so uh, a job well done by everybody involved and uh, can't wait to see how this whole thing plays out. You and I got a bit of a inside look at the bubble today, Pat. We were on a conference call with the league and Commissioner Batman spoke to all the broadcasters and uh, Bill Daly did as well. And a bunch of people from the NHL broadcasting department, communications department, and uh, you know everybody's dotted their eyes and crossed their T's at this point. And you know it's going to be different. There's no doubt about that. It's hopefully uh, the only time that we have to go through something like this and and call games from uh, a monitor in a studio and uh, call games with no fans inside of the arena. But it's going to be a unique experience. And I know the league is doing its best to, to make the best of the situation that we're in. And I know we're going to do the same here on Sportsnet 960, the fans. So looking forward to seeing our little studio set up tomorrow night and uh, call it a hockey game with, with you and Lou. It'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait, my man. We'll talk tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be a long day, but I can't wait for it. We'll talk then. Sounds good. Have a good day, guys. Daily Calgary Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Once-in-a-lifetime hail means a very special opportunity to purchase a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Choose from 42 options. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary airport. We are so slammed on this show today. I don't know whether to uh, or wind my watch, as uh, Lou would say. We're going to hear from Mark Giordano, Matthew Kachuk, and Milan Lucic. Coming up next on Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg, right now on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Whew, what a Monday. Everybody's in the bubble. First media availabilities of the NHL's return to play in Edmonton and Toronto. Welcome back. Steinberg, Klein, and Logan Gordon. Uh, we're going to hear from Nick Shore of the Winnipeg Jets just after 3 o'clock. Get his thoughts on the series that starts next week with the Calgary Flames. But uh, first up, let's uh, hear from the Calgary Flames from Edmonton today. We heard from Jeff Ward an hour ago. Now let's hear from Mark Giordano, Matthew Kachuk, and Milan Lucic, who spoke in Edmonton about an hour, hour and a half ago. Uh, here's Gio Kachuk and Milan Lucic. Mark, maybe you could answer this for, for me, please. That just, you know, you haven't waited a long time to play a game, and there finally is going to be one tomorrow, even though it's an exhibition game. I don't know if you watched other sports with the where there were when there were no fans there. What are you anticipating with that atmosphere? And I don't know if you've seen the renderings of what the arena looks like or what it looks like now. And maybe you think it might be okay and might be some cool stuff there. Or what? What do you What do you think of it? Yeah, no, I think they did a great job. I saw the rink, the the, um, the way they set it up. It, it looks uh, pretty cool in there, actually. Um, as far as the game, I think it's going to be there's going to be a ton of intensity. I think first off, playing the Oilers, obviously our biggest rival. Um, and we all know as players, uh, we have to use this game to get ready for playoffs or for the qualification round. So um, 
think the intensity is going to be there. We've had some pretty intense scrimmages back home as well, so looking forward to, to the game. Hey, gentlemen, I'll uh, throw this to you, Gio. Uh, as a family man, uh, to see the pictures uh, in your hotel room, uh, the message from Tree, and uh, going along, if you look at the hallway, like the, the team message that you have, uh, how much does that play in a factor of wanting to go that extra mile, uh, knowing that this is an organization that's kind of really – uh, really thought of family first and, and then makes you guys perhaps concentrate more on the hockey side of things. Yeah, I know it was a real nice treat yesterday when we walked into our rooms and uh, had pictures of, of the family. Um, you know, we've, we've all made, uh, you know, sacrifices to obviously be here and be away from families, our family uh, back home. So it's nice to have that reminder of them every day. And yeah, I mean, as far as us, we're as a team and our organization, uh, we're ready to, to take that next step and, and have some playoff success here. Um, it's long overdue, and I think the guys, the mindset of our team has been great all camp and looking forward to, to getting in some, into some real uh, game action here. Milan, with the, uh, with the playoff experience that you have, what do you need to see tomorrow by the end of the game? Like, What, what would make you feel comfortable that this team is ready for what lies ahead by the end of uh, 60 minutes tomorrow? Um, well, like, like Gio said, uh, we had some good scrimmages. Um, you know, there was nine forwards aside, so everyone, you know, got their reps in and, and all that type, type of stuff. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was intense from the get-go. And, you know, one of, one of the things that, ha that I really liked about our team before the pause happened was the way we were playing, um, you know, as a team and, you know, on the defensive side of the puck. And, and that's one of the team, things that I saw this team grow probably most um, from October to now. Uh, so that's what, you know, gives me a lot of confidence uh, of, of what we can do, you know, starting on uh, August 1st. So, um I, I really like this group. I got a lot of confidence in this group. I see a lot of great things in this group. Uh, we have great leaders. We got great players. Good depth. Uh, the guys love being around each other. We're really looking forward to this challenge, and uh, I couldn't be more excited than than what lies ahead of here. Guys, uh, you've been there for uh, a few hours now. Uh, what's your first impressions of the uh, of the bubble? Uh, good, bad, or otherwise? Um, it's been uh, it's a lot better than uh, I think everyone was uh, was expecting. I, I honestly coming in, I thought it was going to be very uh, very strict, which it is, and not much uh, to do outside of your hotel room and the and the rink itself. But uh, they've got some cool stuff on the way for us. Everything's super organized. It's super easy for us to to get around, and um, everyone who's helping out here has been really good and really helpful so far. So. Um, so far, so good. Um, food's been good for us. I don't know. Hotel's good. Um, I'm happy with everything that's uh, that's gone on so far, and uh, starting to feel like home. Like Joe said earlier, with the the pictures in, in your room coming in, and um, we plan on being here for uh, a long time. So uh, we better get used to it. Mark, can I? Just follow up on what you said earlier about this team being long overdue for some playoff success. How? I know, you know, different groups say that kind of on a regular basis, but how do you turn that into action this year? How do you, you know, kind of follow through and, and make this the year that, that this group can go a little bit further? 
Well, I think we've learned a few hard lessons here in, in our last, uh, especially last year and, and, you know, years before in playoffs. Such a fine line, I think, uh, winning and losing at this time of year. And I think, um, like Luch said, when you get into playoffs, everything on the defensive side of the puck becomes that much more important. And we've, we've really gone over that in camp. And, um, you know, as a team, we haven't had much success. We've, we've lost uh, in the first round here a few few times in recent history and we have to we have to get, get that uh, you know sort of off our back where we can we can move into that second round and I think the way we're going to do that is playing well really well defensively and our you know our skill and offense is is always going to be there. Uh, Matthew on on Friday you kind of said this is it, it reminds you sort of a youth hockey tournament and, and you just talked about now how you're there and, and what it's like but now that you're there and now that all of the all of the the lead up to it is done. Is it is it going to be easy to just focus on hockey? Is it going to feel not quite normal, but just like hockey is the only priority? Is that is that kind of the feel that you're getting now? Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to get there. I think it's still all pretty new and and pretty different. But we have practice here um, in the next few hours. I think once that practice gets going, it's going to be real, and we know what we're here for. Um, this is. Uh, the past four the past four months I've been waiting for kind of this moment what it was gonna be like and now that it's here now we're just getting back to we're here for a reason we didn't come here for a vacation we didn't come here for two weeks we we came here to win so um, you know this is this is a definite definitely a business trip and we're treating it like that and I mean we didn't we didn't work hard for the last uh, I don't know whatever it is now nine ten months since the start of the year and since the pause four months we didn't work uh, that hard to to come here for a quick vacation where we're trying to come here to win and I think uh like Gio and Luch said earlier guys came in and looked good we had great scrimmages back in Calgary um a lot of time to be uh together after a lot of time being away from each other and we picked up right where we left off and such a great team uh such a great group of guys and we want to win for each other so hopefully we can do that hey guys just uh Matthew you alluded to it the other day that you've kind of heard some stuff of what people are saying about your team uh, are you guys going in feeling like people think you're the underdogs in this series? Um, I haven't really uh, really thought about that part. It's just people um, – we, we know what people have been saying about us the past couple playoffs and, and what happened last year, and we lived it. We'll be the first ones to say we, we underperformed last year. and um, We put pressure on ourselves to perform. We are putting pressure on ourselves to – um, have a shot at redemption, and we've been given that shot. That's why it's it's so it's so nice that we got to get this opportunity and got this chance to play in the playoffs. And um, after all this uncertainty, to be here and to be ready to play and to have our first game tomorrow and our first real one on uh, on Saturday, it's here. And here's our shot at redemption. So let's take advantage of it. Let, let's make up for it. And um, I know Luch wasn't here last year with us, but I know he can get a sense of it too. Just the, the disappointment from how last year went and how we want a chance to redeem ourselves. Uh, Milan, uh, Mark kind of touched on this in terms of, you know, staying in touch with family and how nice it was to see the, the pictures and things like that. Uh, what, what are you planning to do to stay in touch with your family during this, this time? And, you know, we also saw some funny photos of guys lugging their video game consoles and things like that. But did you bring anything along in terms of uh, personal entertainment? Uh, I did bring my Wii, so, uh, you know, change it up. I know everyone's in the Call of Duty and Fortnite and all that type of stuff, but I brought it so we can play Mario Kart. I got the wheels and all that type of stuff, and that's actually uh, 
the one game that you know me and, me and my oldest daughter uh, play together all the time because she loves it. Uh, so that's what I brought for entertainment. But you know, we live in a world where it's 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 easy to stay in touch with people now. You know, uh, FaceTime's a beautiful thing. I think I've already FaceTimed them twice today. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, it's it's you just stay in touch that way. You know, just see how their day's going, um, talk to them, all that type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, you know, with all that, you know, you you obviously you stay in touch and and love your family and all that type of stuff. But you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta put. Uh, you know what matters kind of the most at the moment um you know in, in front of you and and like chucky said and 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 geo said we didn't just come here to play a couple games and go home and i think the most important thing right now is and the thing that i'm focused on is is winning winning this qualifier and putting ourselves in a first round in the playoffs so um i'll continue to uh, stay in touch with my family but you know like i said i you know, I tell, me and my wife even talked about it. The most important thing right now is to try to win another Stanley Cup for myself and uh, for this team. And uh, there's no better guys I'd rather do it with. And that's that's what my focus is on. It's Milan Lucic along with Matthew Kachuk and Mark Giordano from earlier today in Edmonton. The teams are there. Exhibition tomorrow. Flames Jets on Saturday. Speaking of which, around the corner, Nick Shore of the Winnipeg Jets. He's about 90 seconds away as we're into hour number three, the final hour of Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. On the eve of exhibition games in the NHL, less than a week away from puck drop in the qualification round, Saturday night, 8.30, it's the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets from Rogers Place in Edmonton. Let's get a view from the other side. Very happy to welcome in Nick Shore of the Winnipeg Jets on this Monday afternoon. Live from Edmonton, Nick, really appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks for doing this. Uh, how are you? How how are things now that you are in Edmonton and uh, secured away? It's good. I think uh, you know everyone's kind of excited to to get in here and see what uh, the bubble and kind of everything that goes along with it uh, is going to be like. But I think at the same time, everyone's sort of just ready ready to start playing games. Uh, you know, we've been through camp and everything, and everyone's excited to get going. Tell me about just the. The process, I guess, walk me through yesterday going from Winnipeg to Edmonton. Take us through probably the most unique day in your hockey career. Yeah, certainly. I, I think obviously everyone's in all the same situation, but it's different from the standpoint of, you know, you get on a flight, obviously wearing a mask the whole day, can't sit next to anybody. Um, and then once you sort of get in the bubble, it definitely seems like everything is, is locked down. They have a pretty good handle on uh, how things are going to run here. So tell us about life in the bubble and, and your, your first experience. You've been there for about 24 hours to take us inside. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a lot of, uh, a lot of temperature checks, wearing your mask all day and just sort of getting used to uh, a little bit of a new routine uh, for us. I think it'll get a little easier uh, when the game starts starting uh, and pick up because you'll sort of fall back into your old routine, which on a normal game day you'd be in. Um, but I think obviously the main focus right now is hockey and everyone's going to get past uh, living in the bubble. So is that like, I, I know that it's all new for you right now and you kind of talked about it right there. How, how long do you think it'll take for 
all of what goes into a regular day to just become second nature to you? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll become routine at, at some point, but there's obviously a, a lot of little things um, that go into making the bubble as secure as, as it is. Uh, that guy's kind of got to take care of, uh, you know, little things like filling out symptom checks, doing your temperature, um, you know, ways to get in the rink, obviously get tested every single day. So from that standpoint, um, it's different, but, you know, the longer you're here, um, the more it'll become sort of routine. How many, like, are, is, is testing, are you used to that now? Is that something that, that you've kind of uh, uh, gotten used to, the actual physical testing part of it? <laughs> I mean, I guess, so. I don't know how used to you can get to uh, someone <laughs> sticking up, like sticking something four inches up your nose, but I don't know if you're ever going to get used to that. Unfortunately, um, it was a different test here, so I think uh, things are looking up from that standpoint. Is it, you're coming from Manitoba, where yeah. th- there's no doubt about it, things were very safe and, and one of the safest places to be right now in North America, <laughs> but how, how safe do you feel in the secure zone? Does is, is it feel like everything is, is pretty locked down? Yeah, for sure. I think they've done a, a really good job as far as, um, you know, making players comfortable, um, doing as, as much as they can to sort of eliminate all the risk that it, it goes along with, uh, you know, having events like this right now. And just from a, like, now that you're there, now that you've you've gotten to that point, is, is it something where you feel like maybe hockey can just be the focus or you're pretty close to hockey just being the only focus? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, living in the bubble, there's obviously not a ton to do, so your main focus is going to be hockey. And I think you know, after going through training camp and stuff like that, guys are really excited to uh, to kind of get games going here. And I think once that picks up um, and you start playing games, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be easier to sort of get back into, uh, into your routine uh, on a game day where, you know, you won't really realize you're in the bubble as much. Nick Shore is with us of the Winnipeg Jets joining us this afternoon, Pete. Obviously, hockey is the main focus of this trip, but you're not going to be playing for 24 hours a day. Uh, you bring any video games with you to, to pass the time, or what did you bring into the bubble to, to help kill some time between games? Um, hopefully just be playing a lot of cards and stuff. I think after, okay. uh, after a certain amount of time here, um, I think we have some things set up in terms of being able to kind of get outside and then have some sort of team activities. Um, so I think we're just waiting to get into those. As far as the preparation goes, this is clearly different than anyone's ever had to deal with before. For getting ready for the Calgary Flames, because no one's played a game since March, how much of the preparation is what the Flames were doing before the break, and how much of it is just focusing on what you guys can do? I think I think the majority of it is focusing on us as a team and sort of being able to get back to the level we were uh, before the break, which is I'm sure you know what every team is trying to do. Uh, you know we know it's not going to be perfect hockey, especially right off the bat. Um, and at the same time, we've had you know ample amount of time to prepare for for Calgary. Um, but I think it's a little bit of both. But you know mainly it's a focus on ourselves and just making sure that you know we hit the ice up to speed. For you personally, coming back after a, a few months off and hitting the ice for training camp, did, did you notice a- anything about your game that, that surprised you, or was it just business as usual? Yeah, I mean, I think as, as a whole, you know, your first couple of days of camp, you, you're just trying to get back into it, uh, you know, get, get your lungs back, get your legs back, um, and just work on kind of getting better every day. And I think 
as it progressed, you could see kind of just the level on the ice, um, you know, for our group every day was just getting higher and higher. In the, the time between games or the time from March to getting back to training camp, was it stuff, tough to stay focused the whole time? Like, th- there's a chance you're coming back, there's a chance you're not coming back. Was that mentally uh, a little bit taxing for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, I think if you, if you look at it, like nobody really knew, you know, what the plan was going to be. Uh, you know, you read a ton of stuff online and whatnot. And, you know, everyone's got a different opinion as far as, you know, if we were going to come back, how that was going to look like. Uh, never really had official dates or anything, but I think as sort of it progressed and we got a bit, little bit later into uh, the delay, um, things obviously started to heat up with the return to play and the bubble and everything like that. And then from that standpoint, you'd be a little more excited about uh, finishing the season and kind of stepping right into playoffs. What was the the workout routine in the break? Uh, I know uh, my co-host Pat was doing a, a lot of working out at home off of DVDs, and he has a weight set up. I went with the more we'll go with the bulking diet approach. Uh, what, what was the, uh, the what, what was the workout strategy for you? Uh, well, I think it kind of obviously depends where guys were. For me, uh, you know, initially everything was kind of shut down, so you essentially had to make make the best with what you had, which was a couple dumbbells at home and sort of working out in the alleyway behind the house. So, um, you know, you do what you can to stay in shape. And then eventually as things progressed, uh, stuff sort of to open up again around Denver. Um, and then you could, you know, get into something that you were a little more accustomed to. A few more with Nick Shore of the Winnipeg Jets joining us on the program this afternoon. Flames Jets game one on Saturday. Nick, it's 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 kind of been um, a weird couple of years for you. I mean, uh, we, I, I remember you, you came here at the trade deadline back in 2018. Uh, you, you played in the KHL the, the following year. And then this year, Toronto, then Winnipeg then a four-month pause, and now back to playing NHL hockey with the Jets. Just take us through the last couple of years and, and how much of a whirlwind it's felt like for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been it's been hectic, but I think, you know, the more you look at the situation, obviously playing in Russia last year, uh, you know, you sort of learn to appreciate everything that goes along with playing in the NHL. And, uh, you know, obviously this has been a crazy season with the layoff and everything like that, but I've also been you know, in a, in a sort of a holding period, you know, what, not knowing whether or like where I was going to play. Um, so you kind of just got to stay on your toes and, and roll with the punches. Um, and I think that's kind of sums up what the guys have had to do for this, uh, for this season. It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, you came here to Calgary at that deadline in 2018 and you played the nine games, with the flames, three points. I, I thought I, I, I actually quite, uh, I, I was, I was fairly <laughs> impressed with what we saw from you. And then, you didn't get a contract in the NHL the following season. Take us through that that whole summer and how the trip to Russia and the season in Russia kind of came about. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was, it was a long summer for me. Um, didn't necessarily expect to be in that situation, but, you know, th- things happen like that. And I think if you sort of look around, uh, you know, you, July 1 comes and then it sort of just kind of keeps getting pushed back from there. Um and there's really not much you can do. You know, you listen to your agent, uh, try to get some feedback and, and make the best decision for, for you and your career. Uh, and then kind of as the summer went on, I think it got into, you know, camp started, we're underway, and, you know, <laughs> I had to look at some uh, some different options. What was the Russia experience like? It was great. I mean, for me, it was 
obviously a little different uh, coming in, especially almost halfway through the year. Um, and, you know, we had a good team. Unfortunately, we lost the first round of playoffs there, so it would have been nice to uh, spend a little bit more time over there. Um, but, you know, having said that, you know, I don't really have too many bad things to say about my experience. They treated me great. Uh, at the same time, obviously very happy to be back. Did you? I, there, there are a couple of players on the Flames who got acquired at the trade deadline and only got nine games in before the pause hit. You you had gotten forty two in with the Jets before the season went on pause. You're st- you're a new member, but did, like that, that doesn't feel like you're a new member. It doesn't feel like you're coming back and joining a, a whole new team, does it? No, I think you know that speaks to kind of the guys that we have in the room. Uh, we had a couple guys in the same situation this year, and you know, it's an easy locker room to fit into. So I think, you know, when you go through that process and like you said, already have playing 40 games, doesn't necessarily feel like you're stepping into a brand new team when you come back. Final thought, tell us about the challenge against the flames. What do they present for you starting on Saturday? Well, we know they're a really good team and, you know, up and down the lineup, it's going to be a challenge for us. But at the same time, you know, sort of those first, the first game, starting with the exhibition game, really, it's going to have to be, you know, it's going to be different for everybody getting back in the swing of things. But uh, like I said earlier, I think, you know, the main thing for us is, is focusing on what we can do as a hockey team. And I think if we kind of get back to the level that we were at heading into the break, um, you know, we really like the way we were playing and we feel confident. Appreciate the time, Nick. Thank you so much for doing this this afternoon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Nick Shore of the Winnipeg Jets joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. He'll be on the other side starting Saturday when the Flames and Winnipeg Jets kick off their qualification round at Rogers Place in Edmonton. I always, I, I, I actually was somewhat of a proponent for the Flames re-signing Nick when he was here for the nine games. Like, not not re-signing him to a long-term contract, not signing him for $5 million a year, but I thought in a bottom six role that year, in a year where they missed the playoffs, I, I thought he was pretty decent. He, he was effective from a, a five-on-five standpoint. The, the possession numbers were strong. He put up the three points. He wasn't, a, he wasn't groundbreaking. He wasn't making a massive impact that, that pushed the team over the top. But you know, for a depth role, I, I didn't mind the idea of re-signing yeah. Shore. Now, I get it. He's a bottom six player, so you have other options organizationally. So I get why the Flames decided not to. I was just surprised that he had to go to Russia for a season because he, like, I, I never, I never quite got that because he's clearly an NHL player. It was always strange that he had to go to Russia for a season. I never quite understood that one. Yeah, that one surprised me too. And you can make cases for or against the the Flames signing him, but. Anyone signing him, like I, I, I didn't understand that when I saw you sign in Russia. It was well, this this guy's at least an NHLer. I, I don't think he needs to go to Russia for a year to prove that. So I, I'm with you. I was maybe not the Flames, but someone should have signed that guy for sure. Man, it's like I'm fired up to hear from guys in the bubble. I, I am. I was, I was uh, in our group chat yesterday, and being the wet blanket that he usually is, Pinder's like, oh, I won't be excited until August first. But like, I was, I was fired up to see players arriving yesterday. Like, all the different team accounts. Like, here's Duncan Keith looking like a pro wrestler walking in, and here's guys getting off the plane. Here's guys getting on the bus. Like, I, was, I was fired up to see players arriving in Edmonton and Toronto yesterday. It's like, 
let's do this. I and may, maybe I, I I have no problem being an unabashed fanboy right now of the NHL returning. I have no problem being a mark. I have no problem being childlike in my enthusiasm. LFG, let's let's do this. And I and and I don't at this point. If you're not excited, I don't know what's going to get you excited. They're in the hub cities. They're dropping the puck tomorrow. Let's do this. Yeah, it's kind of like the the start of the season all over again, Pretty where you have a, a bit of a break. Yeah, you have a bit of a break between. <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to get back together. Um, a bit of a break between the last regular season or last preseason game and the last regular season game. It's like, okay, these are great, but let's just let's get to the game action. I'm I'm maybe not as jazzed about seeing guys in button up shirts and, and stuff like that. It, it's fun to see. Um, but I, I just, I, I want to get these games going. Like I, I'm happy we get a, an exhibition game tomorrow. And I just, I, I want to get these games going. And and I want to see if we have the same things in the NHL bubble that have been happening in the NBA bubble. Will there be a party with a DJ that only one player <laughs> shows up to? Will there be, uh, will there be a player who leaves for a family issue and then shows up in an Atlanta strip club? These are the things that I want to I don't know. Want to see that specifically if they don't do that that'd be great well yeah it'd be great if they didn't but if they did i want to know about it so i I just i want to see how compare and contrast the nba and the nhl you make sure to keep an eye on those edmonton strip clubs just in case okay is is shea pierre still is still open Um, i have no idea if shea pierre is still i don't want to see anybody in shea pierre on on jasper I, I'm I, I don't think it's on Jas. It might be on Jasper. I don't. I know it's the downtown gentlemen's club. The old Shea Pierre in Edmonton. Stay out of there. Also, are you surprised by like? How can you be surprised by Pinder? He's taking holidays the first week the NHL is coming back. You're surprised that he's not excited. I just like. Why does everything have to be the contrarian take? Like we're allowed to be. It's like this is awesome. Guys are right. I won't be. I won't be excited until August first. No, I don't care about players arriving. <sighs> Him and Will, man, it's just like everything is a wet blanket throughout this entire thing. They were allowed to be excited. Not everything needs to be. Nope, they're never playing again. Nope, they're. Uh, this is not exciting. This could still go wrong. We understand this could still go wrong. We can still be excited without you stomping all over our party. Anyway, I digress. Um, would you like to be part of our playoff pool? You can. Playoffs are back. Uh, playoff hockey's back. Sports that 960 the fan is your home. Not only are we the home for the Flames, we're also the home for the entire Stanley Cup playoffs. And we've got your playoff pool with our friends at Iconic Electric and Control. So go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 right now and sign up. You've got until Saturday at 10 a.m. to get your picks in. Each round, gift card from Backyard Meats, courtesy of Iconic, is going to be awarded. The final winner is getting a $300 gift card from Backyard Meats and a smoker for all that meat from Paradise Bay. It's all brought to you by our friends at Iconic Electric and Controls, promoting a culture of quality since 2008 and proudly owned and operated from Western Canada. Visit IconicEC.ca. Sign up now at Sportsnet.ca slash 960. What the heck happened in Arizona and what happens now for former GM John Chaika? That and a whole lot more. Elliot Friedman, our NHL insider, is coming your way next on Pinder and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Pinder and Steinberg. Time to hear from our NHL insider, Elliot Friedman.
Elliot Friedman, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. You're reopening, but will visitors come? Calgary Lock and Safe recommends hands-free doors for safety. Install now and pay when you can. Explore at calgarylockandsafe.com. Elliot, they made it to the bubble. 24 teams are in two cities. Your observations on the entire lead-up to the teams arriving yesterday. Just give us, uh, give us your thoughts and your impressions of what we've seen the last number of weeks. Well, I, I think everybody involved, players, anyone really who uh, was around these teams, whether it be players, coaches, staff, executives, support staff, people who are working in the buildings, their families, uh, they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, they obviously did the right social distancing. They obviously probably wore masks. Um, you know, a lot of people here, uh, did a lot of things that needed to be done. I know the league and the players were really concerned about these last 14 days. I mean, you guys had a near scare in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Boston had a situation where nine guys had to sit out. Um, you know, I mean, there were times you looked at all this and said, not a chance. But, uh, I mean, knock on wood, Pat, because look at baseball. The world changes so quick. Yeah. Although they're they're much more... Uh, unprotected than hockey is but it just shows you can't take anything for granted just because you're diligent today the key is you got to be diligent again tomorrow 100 percent. and and i think that i think that baseball was just a, a little bit of a wake-up call and it's like okay we're yes sports are starting again and that's great and it was an awesome weekend in baseball watching games around the clock but we're still living in this world that being said Zero positive tests last week in the second week of Phase 3. I asked you last week about two positive tests through the first week, two throughout the entire training camp. That, that, has, to, that has to be far fewer than what everybody was expecting, would it not be? No question. Like, I got to tell you, Pat, like when, I, when I first heard two last week, I didn't believe it. I was like, how is that possible? Now, I mean, you go from two to zero, and... You know, you're, you're sitting there, you're feeling really good about yourself, and people deserve a lot of credit, like I said. But like I said, Pat, the most important thing now is the, the, the commissioner had a conference call with the rights holders today, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was the NHL, similar to the one they had with all the media the other day. And again, he just said, like, nobody's patting ourselves on the back here. You know, the, it's not like this is over. It's, it's, it's just that, hey, we've done really well we got to make sure we continue to do really well. And I'm sure that uh, a lot of NHL players are being warned, uh, don't be Lou Williams. Yeah. Um, he's very fortunate that he's being allowed to play. Um, you know, i, I got to tell you, like, I almost think that, like I was saying in Toronto last hour, like, it's almost like a parent, right, Pat? Like, uh, the first time your kid does something wrong, you put the fear of God in them so they don't do it again. Uh, I'm surprised the NBA didn't do that. Yeah, it's a fair point. The, the whole thing was, uh, you, you thought it could be a whole lot worse for him. Um, you you are, I, I, I've seen some pictures on your Instagram and on your Twitter, and, and some like you're back in the studios, you're getting ready for what is going to be a, a marathon to the finish here. Just, the rinks look pretty cool. I've gotten a couple yeah. of videos from people who have been in there. It looks even cooler um, than, than some of the pictures we first saw yesterday. What, what interests you once we get to tomorrow and we start seeing games again on television? Well, I, to me, the number one, it's always the game, right? Like, you can talk about the show. 
Um, you know, what does it look like? Um, you know, what bells and whistles are there, camera angles, things like that. To me, it's all the, the game is what has to sell, right? So, um, you know, I'm really excited to see these exhibition games. I'm working. We're showing two tomorrow. We're showing uh, Montreal, Toronto, and then we're showing Calgary, Edmonton. So I'm really just excited to see the games. Like I want to see the play. Uh, I want to see how competitive it is. Um, how, like, you know, look, first of all, in Calgary, you know, you guys have, there's no clear-cut number one goalie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do the Flames do tomorrow night? And how competitive are they in, in front of that player? How, how competitive is that goalie? And I, you know, I'm, I want to see McDavid. You know, I, I really want to see McDavid, what he looks like. I want to see... I want to see Matthews. I want to see how good Price looks. Like, to me, number one, Pat, the game is always the thing. If your product stinks, then, you know, whatever bells and whistles you put around it, like, as I say, Pat, there's only so much makeup they can put on me. Mm-hmm. I look the way I look. So, <laughs> number one, how does your product look? And then after that, it's, you know, I agree with you. I think the rink looks interesting. I've been watching a little, a few of the basketball scrimmages. Like, it, it sounds like, Hockey is going to be similar. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the show, the camera angles, you know, all of that stuff. You know, we did um, some rehearsals in our studio today. Um, It was fun being in there. But to me, at the end of the day, Pat, it's how's your product. And I want to see I, I, I want to see how competitive the product is. What uh, what can you tell us? Uh, we, CJ told us on Thursday that you and Elliot, uh, you and Elliot, you and him are doing headlines on Saturday, and and I can't. That imagine. is true. Yes. Gonna, um, you know, we've got a bunch it. of different panels. Like I taped something today with Ron, and uh, Ron was at the main studio, and I had my own desk elsewhere in a different room, and um, Kelly and Colby were from their homes in uh, Calgary and Pittsburgh, respectively, and then. David Amber taped one from the main desk, I, I think, and um, uh, Brian Bur- he's with Brian Burke, who was put on a higher perch, because Berkey always deserves to be on a higher perch. <laughs> and then they had uh, Cassie from Calgary uh, and Chris Johnston from another set. So, you know, because our, like, the thing, when they built our set, there were a lot of options. So um, I think there's a lot of different places to put people. We're going to be spread out. We're going to be socially distanced. Uh, in the room where we watched a lot of the games, they took one of the couches out so they could socially uh, distance uh, all of the chairs. And uh, normally, um, not all of us have our own dressing rooms. Uh, you know, Ron has his because he's the big super-duper star. And Berkey has his because he's really demanding. And, uh, you know, uh, and, but most of us don't have our own rooms, and we change in this kind of communal place. Now we all have our own rooms, and sadly, we're all not changing together, Pat. <laughs> that was, I was really interested in some of the stories of you all changing together. We could have done 30 minutes on that, Elliot. There, there have been a few interesting stories told in that room in <laughs> various stages of dressing, yes, I would say. Uh, will you go to any of the games at Scotiabank Arena, or are you only in studio? Well, I'm not in studio every day. Like we've got a lot of people who need airtime, so we're rotating through. I think uh, once the day the tournament starts, I think I'm working something like eight of the first eleven days, so I have three days off, and I think we're all kind of like that. Um, so there are opportunities to go to games, but as it stands right now, Pat, I believe the rule is you're only allowed one media person in per company per game. Okay. So you know, for example, in you know, uh, Eric Francis, when Calgary plays, he's going to be in there. 
So, like, so if I was in Edmonton, I wouldn't go in there instead of Eric. He's got a right on the game. So in Toronto, for example, a lot of the games, it's going to be like, um, you know, someone's going to be in there who needs to be in there, whether it's Eric Engels or it's Luke Fox or CJ. So I don't know if I'm going to have a lot of opportunity to go to games, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, Elliot Friedman's with us from Hockey Night, and uh, he will be back on your television tomorrow. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned makeup. How much do you need to apply right now? There's there's a big cover on half of your face, and it's not a mask. You've seen the way I look, right? You know, there's a lot of makeup that needs to be put on there. We had a makeup tutorial today. Well, because you have to do um, your own, right? Yes, we have to do our own. Like I've done makeup before at the at the score. We always had to do makeup ourselves, which is good. Like I mean. It's a skill you, you should know. Um, but as it stands right now, you got to do your own. Like, it's funny. Like, all the little things you take for granted, um, you know, normally there's somebody there who, um, you know, puts your mic on for you or your earpiece on for you because, as they call us on air, we're poodles and we're too stupid to do anything. That's the term they used to describe us. But, you know, now they don't want anybody to come too close to you, so you do it all yourself. And it's fine. It's fine. Like, it's a good little reminder to do all these things. But it's just interesting, like all the little stuff you kind of got used to, um, you know, that it was just one last thing you had to worry about. And you could just worry about getting ready for the show. Now you got to do all those little things. Nobody's complaining. Everybody's happy. I'll tell you this, Pat. You know, the one thing that was nice today, because my first day in the studio in, since March, it was just nice to see everybody. And, and two minutes later, you're ripping everybody else's appearance and how ugly they look and how much weight they've gained since the <laughs> pandemic began. And it's all that fun stuff again. How like how do you do makeup with that beard? I only have to do half my face. That's yeah. the greatest thing. Well, like normally you have to do your neck too, but you know because you know the worst thing is it's like Trump, right? Like if you if you put makeup on your face and not on your neck, your face is orange and your neck is white. So you got to you normally have to cover all this stuff up too, but the beard blocks that. So there's a benefit to this thing. Elliot, walk us through what happened in Arizona with John Chica, who is no longer their general manager. How did we get here? Well, it's it's a pretty interesting story. Um, it's it's like a it's like a bad divorce, Pat. It's uh, it's he said, she said, and you know, basically what happened. There's a team, and you know, I, I an organization, I believe it's New Jersey, uh, reached out to Arizona to ask for permission to speak to him. Um, and uh, initially the owner, Alex Morello said, no, we've extended him. He's happy here. And he's our guy. And Alex Morello is a big Chica guy. That's, there's no question about that. And, uh, I guess Chica said, okay, he told him and he said like, uh, you know, what, uh, what do you, uh, like, and he said, you know, why don't, why don't I just talk to him? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And maybe we can get some Intel we can use. And, uh, I guess, uh, New Jersey just blew him away with an unbelievable offer. And uh, he went back and said he wanted to take it, and Arizona got really upset. Now, they claim that, you know, Chica misled them. He lied to them about what he was interviewing about. And the people who uh, I've spoken to who know Chica say that he has everything documented. And, you know, uh, the one thing I do believe is that Chica said, I'll stay through the end of the playoffs for Arizona, and then we'll let's figure out an exit plan and a transition plan. And they said to him, no, like, we're not negotiating your exit and we're not doing anything until the playoffs are over. And, uh, and obviously, you know, what happened, he terminated his contract on, on Friday. And, um, you know, Arizona wants the commissioner to adjudicate this and I'm sure at some point he'll get around to it, but 
You know, I mean, the one thing that, you know, everybody I know who's a lawyer says to me in this kind of situation, what's on paper and whatever's on paper um, is going to rule. And I just find it really hard to believe that uh, Chica would terminate his deal if he didn't know it was going to work. It's just not a really smart move, Pat. I mean, nobody would do that, I don't think. Yeah. So I just want, I mean, look, what every lawyer tells me is what's on paper, and that will determine what happens here. I guess what's most interesting to me is why is Arizona going out of their way to block this? I, I get that they're upset, but like you don't want you don't want to force a guy to keep working for you. So what what is Arizona's end game here? Well, some people do say that, Pat. Like some people do say, you know what, you signed a contract, you have to live up to it. And you know, the other thing too is Alex Morello, who's the owner of the Coyotes, a lot of us don't know him. Like I've never met him. But one thing I do know is that John Chaka played a big role in getting him to buy the Coyotes. You know, when Andrew Barraway wanted to sell his majority partnership, you know, there were a couple of groups there. And one was a group, I believe, that had Mike Gillis involved in it. And the other was John Chaka went out and he found, uh, and with Aaron Cohen, who was the president at the time, they found Alex Murillo. And Alex Murillo was, was a big believer in John Chaika. He gave him a long extension. He believed in his plan. Um, and, you know, he, he gave him resources. They're a cap team or close to it. And, you know, I think sometimes he, uh, and, and he feels up burned. And, you know, like, it's interesting, Pat, like everybody who's listening to this interview right now, you're either an employee or you're an employer, or maybe you're both. Who knows? But, You'd be surprised out there, you know, how many, maybe you wouldn't be surprised, Pat. Like some people say, you know what, like let somebody go who wants to go. But there are plenty of people out there who say, you know what, you signed a deal in good faith. I signed a deal with you in good faith. And, you know, you have to live up to that deal. And I think it comes down to, again, like I said, what's on paper. If, Chica has something on paper that says you can interview and be hired for this kind of a job, then I don't know how Arizona is going to stop him. If he doesn't have that, then, you know, Chica might have a problem. But, you know, we'll see. As, um, as you said in 31 Thoughts, which is at sportsnet.ca today, the brand-new edition of 30, 31 Thoughts from Elliott, as you said, okay, they've asked Gary Bettman to adjudicate here, but he does have a number of other things on his mind right now. What, what's a timeline for a decision, a realistic timeline? I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I, uh, obviously, I sent a note to the commissioner asking for comment, and I haven't heard anything yet, which leads me to believe that, you know, he's like, I'm not telling you. Um, I, as I wrote today, Pat, you know, and, and I thought this was a really good point. You, you, it would be surprising if he didn't know about it already. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really got – I mean – I know he's been busy, but he's got the pulse on a lot of things in the league. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, like another, another GM pointed out to me that when Peter Shirelli left in 2006, he went from Ottawa to Boston. He, they announced it at the end of May, and he wasn't allowed to join the Bruins until July 15th. So, you know, they made him wait 45 days. Could that be a precedent? I'm guessing, but it's, it's, it, I thought it was interesting that somebody brought that up to me. Um, you know, then someone else pointed out that, you know, Boston signed Chara from Ottawa, so maybe Shirelli was working earlier or whatever. But I, I don't have the answer for you. 
Um, but I, I'm sure he will get to it at some point. On the Arizona front, and and part of this whole story has been that, and, and part of what really started to get the gears turning is that John Chica was not a part of the reported meeting that you've done reporting on uh, with Taylor Hall. What is the yeah. latest on a Taylor Hall extension or a new contract there? I think it's more likely than not that Hall plays this out. If you've ever talked to uh, Darren Ferris, who's Hall's agent, he's a big believer in you've earned the right to free agency, use the leverage. I also think that, you know, I reported there, there have been some reports. I think I mentioned last week on the podcast that the rumored offer was in the seven and a half millionaire range. I wrote today. It's, I think it was five times seven to five. Um, I, I just think that with Hall, the biggest question is going to be scenario. Does he believe that the place he's going to can win? The guy has been to the playoffs once in his career. Like, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I find Hall a really interesting guy. I've, I've had the chance to have some interesting conversations with him over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think he really wants to win. I think he really wants to be part of that atmosphere. Now, Pat, in this league, it's hard to predict. Like, sometimes this league is a real crapshoot. And every year there's like one or two teams that make the playoffs, and you're like, where did they come from? And there's one or two teams that miss, and you're sitting there going, how on earth did that team miss the playoffs? And, you know, so it's hard to, it's hard to really bet. But I think you, you can kind of look in the, at situations and say consistently, are these good situations? And, and I think that's important to Hall. I think he, he wants to be in a winning environment. And, yeah, certainly he wants to get paid, but he's, he's already made a lot of money. Sorry about that. I dropped my earbuds. Um, he's made a lot of money. I think he wants to go somewhere where he can win. Okay. Elliot Friedman's with us. Hockey Night in Canada. A couple more. You touched on it at the top, and I, I did want to revisit it with you here. Just your read on Calgary's goaltending situation, not in the immediacy because they're deciding Riddick or Talbot. That's a decision for right now. But based on that and, and longer term, what's your read on what Calgary might do between the pipes? Ultimately, I think Riddick and Talbot will decide. If, if they give you what you need, then you don't have to go anywhere else. But this, is, this summer is a rare buyer's market for goalies. You know, there's a lot of guys who could be available. Uh, Holtby is a hell of a goalie. Markstrom has had a hell of a year. Um, you know, there, and there's, there's also like good 1B guys like Kudobin. It's going to be very hard for Dallas to keep Kudobin with their cap situation and now the cap being tighter where it is. Like, there's, there's lots of good goalies around there. And, uh, you know, Halak was, but, you know, he's re-signed now in, in Boston. Um, I think there's a lot of good, decent goalies out there. So there's the option for teams to get, um, you know, Grice. Like, I, I, think, I think, you know, the Islanders have Sorokin coming in. It's going to, I mean, they're not going to keep Grice, Sorokin, and Varlamov. So somebody's going to change there. Um, you know, I just think there's going to be some options. And, but the ultimate thing I always believe is that players decide that. And, you know, Riddick and Talbot will determine by the way they play if, if the Flames need to go in another direction. I know that there's still that, you know, the, the puck hasn't dropped yet and we're still waiting. But are you excited yet? Like, is... is oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, like, it, like I said, like, I got to tell you, like, it was tough today. Like, 
my family, we've, we've really social distanced a lot. We've been very careful. Um, you know, situations dictate that we do that. So, um, um, that, you know, it, it, we haven't seen a lot of people and I've really enjoyed, like, this has not been exactly a barrel of laughs for, for anyone. And I, you know, I really enjoyed, uh, being around my family and my son. You know, we have a routine every day. We play, we play catch for 45 minutes. We, we have a basketball hoop. We play basketball for 45 minutes. And then he hits with a bat, you know, for 45 minutes, three times a day. And, um, you know, like, it's just been really fun. You know, I, I, you know, Pat, you know, this business, you, you don't, you don't get a lot of time for that. And he's eight years old. It's been really enjoyable. And I, I will say this, when I left my house this morning to drive downtown and go to the office for the first time since March, it was very emotional to leave my family. But um, when I got there, you know, it was like, it's great to see everybody again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great to be around these people. It's great to be in the studio. It was great to put on a jacket and a tie. And it, it's great to know that tomorrow I'm going in for a double header. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think I'm no different, Pat, than anybody else. I, I just want to live life. You know, like we have to be careful. We have to be smart. We can't endanger other people. But you want to live your life as normally as possible. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to do that, and I hope it works. Frage, it's it's good to have you back working. It'll be good to see you on television tomorrow, my friend. Thanks. Uh, And and I know that we're not out of the woods yet, and there's still lots that could happen, and we're less than a week away. There's still lots between now and Saturday. But uh, just a, a thank you for doing Mondays and Fridays with us throughout all of the last four and a half months when there hasn't been hockey. It'll be good to have you twice a week when there is hockey. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not going to lie to you, Pat. It was painful, but it's my pleasure. <laughs> well, uh, But it was probably painful mostly because who you were talking to. Uh, <laughs> well, thank- Pat, you too, bud. Uh, let's, let's enjoy some games together. Chat with you next week. Thanks, Fridge. All right. Elliot Friedman, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. You're reopening, but will visitors come? Calgary Lock and Safe recommends hands-free doors for safety. Install now and pay when you can. Explore at calgarylockandsafe.com. Top of the hour, new series starts for the Blue Jays. It's Toronto and Washington just after 4 o'clock. Back to wrap, Pinder and Steinberg.